How's it going, everyone? Uh, this is SNL Sports, back from a forced long break. This is Sam, and of course, I'm with Lars, and we're happy to present this podcast that's going to be all about the NFL draft. Uh, most of you will be listening to this in the coming days uh, after the draft, at least after the first round, which is going to be the focus. Uh, but we actually are recording this live as the first round's going on, so if it seems like uh, we're kind of reacting to the picks as they come. That's exactly what's happening. Um, but I'll let Lars uh, take over and uh, give some input here. We're, we're going to be talking about some free agency um, and the players as they are drafted and just giving, you know, an all around, uh, you know, comprehensive overview of where the NFL stands as we're, uh, as we're talking. Yeah, we miss being able to reach you guys. Um, we miss being on the show at WVCR 88.3, the Saint. Um, but we decided to start this to still be able to connect to you guys. Um, still be able to get all these sports thoughts off our chest, even though there's not much sports going on in quarantine. Um, it, the draft and the Michael Jordan documentary who was on a couple nights ago is, you know, a good thing for us to talk about and think about. So um, yeah, there's, we've, we missed a lot since we've been on last, a lot of free agency, um, you know, a lot of sports news in general, we haven't been on since everything closed down every basically every sport was canceled so it's yeah, been a crazy our, time yeah and our spring break you know it pretty much you know got taken over uh you know we right after we got back uh we weren't really allowed back on campus so uh we even had an extra week where we weren't really able to talk about sports news with all you guys uh, but we've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about um as you know roger goodell here is telling us about how this draft's going to go hopefully um for all of you that are i'm sure uh, we're watching this when you, you know, it's going to be the day after or so forth. Um, but hopefully this goes as planned and we're able to see, you know, these players get a picture without any glitches. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an exciting draft. I think, you know, a lot of people don't really know what's going to happen. I think a lot of, you know, agents and stuff have been uh, pretty silent because I'm not sure they even know. So, I mean, Lars, you, you expecting some uh, unexpected picks here? Yeah, I've heard from uh, some of the guys, big reporters like Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, other guys. They've all been saying leading up to this week that, you know, this is going to be a crazy draft. So, like a lot of GMs have been saying that um, a lot of the mock drafts have been more wrong than they ever have been before. Um, so we're expecting big things. I mean, obviously things could go according to the mocks, but generally speaking, in my experience, a lot of the mocks I've looked at have been pretty similar. You know, yeah. and I think we'll get into yeah. the top two picks pretty soon, but I think those are pretty much expected. But moving on, there's there's a lot of, you know, room for where the quarterbacks could end up. You know, maybe one of them, if the right team doesn't pick them, they could slide a little bit. Um, there may be a run on offensive tackles, wide receivers. You know, I, th I think there's a lot of, a lot of good talent in this draft. Another thing I did hear um, from a reporter from who, who had talked to one of the GMs is, this was the first year where he had over 32 uh, first round grades on prospects. So, you know, what that says is there's, there's more players that could go in the first round than there are picks. So, you know, that's good news for all these teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been touted as a pretty, pretty deep draft, you know, all around uh, a lot of guys that I think people are expecting to be pretty good in this league. Um, I think the quarterbacks may be a little overrated this year. I think next year, uh, is going to be the the quarterback draft, but I mean, if you're looking for offensive line talent, 
defensive line talent, wide receiver talent. I mean, it's all over the place. Cornerbacks are, are loaded in this draft. I mean, there's a lot of talent here and a lot of guys that I think would, would have gone pretty high in other drafts that may slide uh, pretty late. And uh, I'm excited to see who gets taken uh, early as well as late in this draft. Uh, and I, as like you said, I mean, a lot of the mock drafts, as they typically are, are pretty similar. But uh, there's been a lot of development recently in this in today and yesterday a lot of people are expecting trades a lot of teams looking to trade down uh, typically when my theory with drafts are you know if it's gonna if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen but for the most part i usually think of drafts as going pretty much status quo but because of everything that's so non-status quo right now in terms of our world i think this draft could be pretty unpredictable um i think a lot of teams maybe just don't want to take the chance and they're gonna they're gonna trade back and kind of wait till next year or wait till the later round scoop up some extra picks and i think that could really start with number three uh, detroit who have been locked to Jeff Okuda from the beginning. I, I'm really expecting them to, to trade out of there and maybe have a Jaguars uh, slide up, Miami, um, L.A. Chargers. I, I've got it mocked to the Jaguars, but, you know, you never know. Yeah, and uh, I hope this is interesting for you guys. Obviously, we're not broadcasting live, but we are watching the draft live. So you're getting our live reactions here as we're watching. Right now, the Bengals are on the clock. Uh, obviously, everyone knows they have the first pick. They have a first, the first pick for a reason. They were not very good last year. Pro- definitely probably the least talented roster in the league. And it's been announced, at least by a lot of guys, that even on Wednesday they already introduced Joe Burrow to the team and you know, pretty much welcomed him to the Bengals family. So I think that's pretty much assumed at this point. But, you know, Baker Mayfield a couple years ago was a little bit of a shock. I mean, I guess you never know, but – uh, all signs seem to be pointing to Joe Burrow out of LSU, the Heisman winner, national champion, you know, record setter this season, who's been getting a lot of hype. But if you've been listening to our, our show on WVCR and, you know, in the past past few shows that we left off on before, you know, all this happened, we had differing opinions on Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I think Sam's a little bit lower than him on him than I am. I think that he could go one of two ways. I think he could go really good or really, really average. But, you know, it still remains to be seen in what Joe Burrow could be in, in the NFL. But it looks like he's going to be this pick here as the Bengals are on the clock. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely higher on him than I am. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. and In fact, you know, under normal circumstances, you know, if we weren't talking about the first pick here, I think he's actually a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he, he's unathletic. He's 6'4", 221. He's got an okay arm. He's got okay athleticism. His hands are okay size. I think for, you know, if this was a guy that you, you know, you grabbed in the second, third, fourth round, or even mid first, you know, you'd be really happy with. But, you know, draft a quarterback number one, you really got to expect him to be, you know, the guy, the guy that's going to take you to, uh, you know, Super Bowls. And I'm not sure for me, if I was, you know, scouting Joe Burrow, I'd really see him as that guy. I think mentally he's competitive. He's walked through a lot. And I think he reads defenses pretty well. Um, and, you know, I, to be honest, I think he's got as good a ceiling as all these other quarterbacks do. Uh, maybe not athletically, but I mean, honestly, I'm not sure there was a quarterback in this draft I really thought was worth the number one. I mean, I, th- I think the best player in this draft is Chase Young. Um, and, if my team didn't desperately need a quarterback, I would definitely have ever been the guy I would have taken. But obviously the Bengals are really in that position. You know, they're they're 
very quarterback needy. They're in need of something to turn the franchise around. And Joe Burrow is an Ohio guy, uh, and that the allure of that I think is just way too much, you know, to turn down. And they're clearly going with Joe Burrow, already announcing him essentially as the pick. Yeah, and uh, like you said, Chase Young, I do think he's the best player in the draft as well. We'll get we'll get to him a little bit later. Um, I don't think the difference in these quarterbacks, you know, these top three that everyone's mocking pretty high, is that you know, that great of a difference. I think there is a lot, of, a lot of the hype train going on with Joe Burrow. I mean, he just had such an amazing season that it's also a lot of group thing going on too. Like if the Bengals don't take him, you know, how bad are they going to look? There's a lot of pressure on them to make the right decision here. You know, now with a second year head coach and Zach Taylor, who's supposed to be an offensive guru, a young prodigy, um, you know, giving him that quarterback is probably what he wants, but um, the, I think there's a lot of questions whether Joe Burrow is that much better than the other quarterbacks. And again, these quarterbacks might not even be as good of a class as, you know, years past, you know, first round quarterbacks. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think this quarterback class is pretty overblown, even though I do like a lot of the guys on the board. I just think, you know, we've kind of hyped them up over the weeks and especially, you know, and not to say, you know, this has changed the mind of scouts or, or agents or anything, but to be honest, I mean, I think the fact that we haven't any, any other sports to talk about, you know, this is these are the guys that we've been looking at for weeks now, and I've, I think everyone's kind of, you know, jumped on the train of a lot of these guys. Not to say these guys don't have, you know, best case scenarios of being pretty good or being comparable to guys that have been successful in this league. I mean, um, but you know, overall, I mean, look at the two top guys, at least you know, I think in many people's books and. Burrow and Tua, I mean, although they both had excellent seasons and they're both talented quarterbacks, I mean, it's pretty clear Joe Burrow had two of the best receivers in college football and great offensive line, you know, a tight end that was excellent is going to go high in this draft. And then Tua had two of the best wide receivers college football seen in years. He's had two great running backs, um, you know, pro-level offensive lines and one of the greatest coaches of all time. So, I mean, we got two guys that are really buoyed here by some great talent. And that's not to say that, you know, take talent in the NFL won't also buoy them up to be great talents. But it, it'll be, you know, interesting to see where each of them goes. Obviously, we know where Joe Burr is going to go. He's going to sit at one. But past that, at Tua, Herbert, Love, Eason, Fromm, all these guys, they're all going to get taken. I think they're all going to get taken within three rounds. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, and we're we're planning on being here for the first 15 picks. So um, as we wait for the Bengals here, they are just announced to be on the clock with 10 minutes on the clock. Um, we can talk about some of these free agent signings that, you know, it seems like we won't get to talk about the teams because their picks aren't that high, but you never know with trades and, you know, things like that. And, you know, one of those teams is the Patriots. They've had a lot of turnover over the offseason. Um, Lions will be coming up here at pick number three, and they – they seem to like to sign a lot of expatriates with Matt Patricia as a head coach. That's um, for sure. Dealing with the first year without Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski in the last few days, forcing his way out of New England, coming out of retirement and all that. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is, you know, one of the most talked about teams year in and year out, and they will continue to be so in this offseason because of all the turnover they've had. Um, you know, I think it's been a super interesting offseason, clearly. Uh, Tom Brady leaves two years, $50 million to Tampa, and now Gronkowski leaves for the final year of his contract um, after retirement uh, from a trade uh, to Tampa from New England. New England re- receives a fourth-round pick in this year's draft. Tampa Bay receives Rob, Rob Gronkowski in a seventh-rounder. Um, 
you know, the Patriots also lose Van Noy, Collins, Jerron Harmon, um, among others. And, and this is just a – it's going to be a real transitional couple of years here for the Patriots. Uh, I think we're probably looking at a five to nine win team here, uh, depending on what kind of quarterback play we, you know, they can get. Uh, the offensive line remains very solid, and the defense retained a lot of pieces and enough pieces to, to continue to be competitive. I think they probably still have the best secondary uh, in football with Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, uh, Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty, and then the addition of Adrian Phillips in free agency, uh, former All-Pro. You know, two years, seven point five million is a real steal, and he's an upgrade over Daron Harmon, who. Um, you know, honestly, I love the guy, you know, he was named, nicknamed, uh, the mailman cause he always delivered, but I mean, he wasn't, you know, an all pro type guy and that's what Adrian Phillips has been, um, for the chargers. And he was a big pickup for the Patriots. And, you know, I think the defense is really gonna have to carry it. We're going to see a true grit and grind, you know, uh, New England type team. We're going to see running and defense and it's going to be an interesting year, but maybe not quite as exciting as Patriots fans probably used to. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we haven't been, you know, able to do the show since Tom Brady left and, and all that stuff happened. And, you know, we always look forward to you giving your Patriots takes. We know you're a diehard Patriots fan. Um, I'm curious what exactly your take is on Tom Brady leaving. You know, do you think it's really this Bill Belichick, Tom Brady struggle? Do you think it was more of just him wanting a new team and in, in, a, in a warmer location? What do you think was going on there? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, just in typical Brady and Patriots fashion, not too much has been told about this whole story. Uh, Brady did give a little bit of insight. Uh, Howard Stern interview of all places in, in his uh, article um, in the Players Tribune. But I mean, I think yeah, I think there's a lot of moving parts here. I think Brady was frustrated uh, by Belichick's need to think about the future and replacing him. I don't necessarily think Brady uh, was necessarily mad at Belichick. I think he was just kind of frustrated uh, with the fact that just like uh, MJ got frustrated when he come to the end of his career, I think the greats always have trouble kind of, you know, coming to terms with the fact that their careers are ending. And I think that's kind of what we saw here at a Brady. It was a, you know, you think my career is over. Um, I'm going to go somewhere else um, and prove it to you and prove it to myself. And I think a lot, that's really what a lot of this had to do with. I think Brady wanted to prove to himself that he's a winner and continue to have that chip on his shoulder. And additionally, like you said, the warmer location, we're going to contribute that to anyone, let's be real. Giselle probably really did want to move. Uh, she clearly did not want to move to Indianapolis from a, from a couple of sources I saw. Um, but I think Tampa was kind of the perfect location for everyone. Uh, everyone involved, you know, his family, his kids, and then also, you know, they're surrounding him with weapons that he, I think he really is going to enjoy. And then he brings back Rob Gronkowski, who, you know, they get for pretty much a steal, but the way the Patriots uh, cap situation stands, uh, they couldn't really get, you know, too much in return, at least in player value. So kind of worked out, you know, for Tampa Bay and they get two Hall of Famers on their team. Yeah, the thing about Tampa Bay, I don't want to dive into them too much because we will be seeing them pick 14, but you know, the weapons that they have on offense is definitely you know, a lot better compared to what, what uh, the Patriots were offering him last year. You know, Now they have three very dependable tight ends. They, it, they may move O.J. Howard. You know, that remains to be seen. But having Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin at wide receiver, yep. a running back's a little bit, a little bit questionable for me, but 
Yeah, know? people are really, you know, all oh, their weapons, this and that, and they keep adding in the running backs. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the running backs had okay years, but Bruce Arians always gets the best out of kind of, you know, subpar offensive talent. So um, I'm not, don't think the running backs are too special, but, you know, Brady's always been able to do the best with not great talent. So I'm not too worried about the running backs if I'm a Tampa fan. Yeah, one thing I am a little bit, you know, I, thinking about the, the offensive construction here, Brady over the last few seasons hasn't been too, you know, too fond of the deep ball, too good at throwing the deep ball. And the Buccaneers, maybe that's attributed to who, they ha- who they've had at quarterback and Jameis Winston the past few years. But, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are, are pretty much, like, very good deep threats. Same with O.J. Howard. A lot of people are saying his best route is a seam route. So I think that'll be interesting to watch, in, you know, in the Buccaneers offense coming up this year. And, how uh you know how Brady adjusts to having you know more of a deep threat type of weapon instead of you know Edelman and those and those short short game receivers. Yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean, you know, Evans, Godwin, Gronk, I mean, all three of those guys are excellent deep ball receivers. They're, you know, fast, strong guys and they all wanna catch long balls. And Jameis Winston, you know, for all his faults was able to throw the ball downfield and they were able to, you know, contribute um in that way and i think it's going to be you know kind of interesting to see if brady still has you know that gunslinger in him i think he does i think his arm is still relatively strong and i think we're underestimating him in terms of that ability you know let's let's not you know sit here and say that brady's had the best you know deep threats on um, the patriots you know he's had receivers that are semi-capable but not overall too much so you know i think it's going to be uh i think it's going to be interesting to see uh what happens here yeah, so supposedly the Bengals pick is in. I've been watching Zach Taylor sitting at his desk, you know, a couple of times over over the past <laughs> few minutes on, on Zoom there. Um, looks like he has a pretty nice setup, but, yeah, the, the pick is in. Presumably it is Joe Burrow. Um, you know, looking at the Bengals offense and adding him, A.J. Green is still kind of in a state of flux for them. I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. He's been injured. Supposedly he wanted to be traded towards the end of last year, um, but that never happened. They, they still have Joe Mixon at running back who, yeah. you know, is very promising, but the, they just had terrible quarterback and passing game play last year that. Yeah, and know, they every, don't have a good, their offensive lines questionable as well. So. Yeah. Every team was loading the box against Joe, ben, Joe Mixon. He couldn't really have a good season last year, but the Bengals are a team that needs a lot of help, but you know, this, this is a league where quarterbacks win. We saw that in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, obviously don't want to compare Joe Burrow to Patrick Mahomes, but a lot of times, a talented quarterback coming in can really change, you know, the direction of a franchise. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and the, you know, Joe Burrow will unquestionably make a difference. I think the biggest free agent uh, acquisitions for the Bengals were DJ Reader and Trey Waynes, uh, two defensive players. And I think because of that, their defense will improve. Um, but, you know, the Bengals have always been a, a semi decent team and on many occasions, a very, very above average or good defensive team for the last few years, uh, especially, you know, about a decade or so when they were one of the best defensive teams in the league for a while. Um, And I think it's important that the Bengals kind of keep that identity and that they keep their defensive quality up uh, because Burrow's going to need that, uh, especially in his first few years here. You know, you can't expect him to be the guy he was at LSU putting up like 40 points a game or or Patrick Mahomes in in the NFL. You know, you got to be able to, surround him with some support and we're going to see if the 
if the Bengals actually are willing to, you know, put forth the money to support him with some talent because they have not been able to do that in the past few years, at least in the terms of spending money for, you know, high quality talent. Yeah. Speaking of the Bengals and Joe Burrow, the pick has just been announced. Joe Burrow is the number one pick in the draft taken by the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a very, very interesting site, very weird draft. You know, we're watching him, just him and his two parents on on his living room couch, you know, in a t-shirt, not the typical suit, you know, and walk up on stage with Commissioner Goodell. But, you know, it is official now. Joe Burrow is the number one pick, as everyone has been expecting for, you know, months on end. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he can be, you know, a difference maker for them. They certainly need it. I liked Zach Taylor when he was with the Rams as an, as a young offensive mind. And I, I want to see him get back to that. Cause I think it would just be exciting for the NFL to have a, you know, another young, good offensive team. Yeah. I mean, I don't wish anything bad on, uh, on the Bengals or uh, on Joe Burrow. I think he, you know, like I said, you know, he's here for a reason. He's shown um, that he's got something the Bengals want and we're going to see if he can help them turn, turn it around and put some wins forward. But I'm not necessarily going to be surprised if the Bengals are picking in the top five again next year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So moving on now on the clock at number two, my team that I root for uh, the Washington Redskins are on the clock reports have been coming out today about them that, you know, they've received a bunch of offers for number two, but you know, nothing strong enough to get them to move. And, and supposedly the player that they pick, they like way too much to even consider a trade. So, you know, for me, if this isn't Chase Young, I'm going to be very upset. And, you know, even just as a neutral football fan, I would be, I would be pretty mad at, at Washington for, for passing on Chase Young here um, with their new hiring at coach Ron Rivera, their new defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio. Uh, they've really tried to, you know, move on to this defensive identity in this four, three defense. So Chase Young just fits way too perfectly for a Ron Rivera led team to, not get picked here yeah I mean I, I agree I, I have them mocked to Chase Young I have that as my expected pick here and I agree I mean as a if you are a Redskins fan or, or just a fan of the NFL in general you, you're going to be pretty surprised if that's not the pick here um, and I think it's going to be a real shocker for the league as a whole in this draft if he doesn't go too because you know Detroit's clearly been trying to trade out of this third pick they clearly think they can get a CUDA or whoever else they're looking at um, if they move back. Um, and it's going to be super interesting if they get here and Chase Young's still on the board. You know, Do they still accept the trade offer? Has one already been accepted behind closed doors? We don't know. And uh, it's going to be super telling here if uh, Washington – you know, have faith in Haskins. Do they have, uh, you know, do they put defense first and take Young? But like I said, that's what I'm expecting, just like you are. Yeah, the pick is now in. Um, again, talking uh, about that was, defense, um, the number, uh, the, the 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 top signing the Redskins made this year was Kendall Fuller coming in in a four-year, $40 million deal at cornerback. Um, no, nothing too major besides that. They did go after Amari Cooper pretty strong, but – in the end, it just seemed like they raised the price that the Cowboys had to pay for him to bring him back at wide receiver. But, you know, with, with the other talent they have on the D-line, you know, a lot of those young Alabama guys, I think Chase Young fits in pretty well. This would be certainly a top 10 pass rush and, you know, front seven with the addition of Chase Young in the NFL. Um, but, you know, the team has other question marks, you know, in the future. But I, I just think you can't really pass up on Chase Young here. Yeah, I mean, edge rusher is clearly not the need um, that the that the team needs. 
Um, you know, they have a lot of talent. Ionitis, Kerrigan, I mean, they've got a lot of talent on that defensive line. But when you got a chance to draft a talent like Chase Young, I mean, he's clearly just athletically and, and you know, tape, watch the tape. I mean, he's just incredible, powerful edge rusher. And to pass up on what could be like the next Von Miller, I mean, it's just, it'd be, be tough, it'd be tough. Yeah, and the only time he didn't have a sack or double-digit sacks was when he was getting triple-teamed against Clemson in, in the playoff and, you know, against some of these teams. But, you know, when he was left one-on-one, he was wreaking havoc on defenses. He, he really couldn't be stopped. Just His athleticism is off the charts, you know, for an edge rusher at his size, his weight, his size. You know, he's he's not quite the Jadavian Clowney size, but, you know, he's certainly an athletic specimen and probably better technique than Clowney ever had at that stage in his career. Yeah, I mean, Clowney was amazing, but really raw coming out of college. Chase Young, although needs to kind of spice up his moves, I think, here and there, I think he's clearly got uh, much more range in his skill set as an edge rusher. Yeah, um, the other question could be, you know, are the Redskins interested in trading back, you know, quarterback, all that stuff. But everything seems to point to Dwayne Haskins being given the chance this year. Um you know, with uh, their new offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, coming over from the, from the Panthers, formerly on Ron Rivera's staff. They've been installing the offense, you know, via Zoom and all that good stuff. So it seems like they're pretty confident in him, at least for next year. And like I said before, it seems like they've been, you know, holding off all trade-up scenarios from other teams, haven't been really seeing the package that they, they've wanted. Trent Williams is obviously a you know, a trade candidate coming up, you know, in, the, in this day or the next few days. One one name for them, obviously, to look at is the Browns, what, what draft pick they take. Um, they've been looking at offensive tackle, but if they don't find the right guy in the first round, you know, Trent Williams could be a trade candidate for them. Um, so there's definitely a lot of question marks about Washington. They're, they're picking number two for a reason, obviously. Didn't have a great year last year, but, you know, they're not the worst team in the NFL. They have some pieces, and adding a guy who – projects as a as a double digit sack guy for the next you know foreseeable future is definitely definitely something you can't pass on yeah i mean you know this is a debatable statement i'm about to make but in my opinion the two most important uh positions in football are quarterback and defensive linemen you know particularly edge rusher and and if you can't get a you know if you have faith in a quarterback or you you know believe um that quarterback isn't your top need um, even if defensive lineman is not your next, you know, in line, let's say you need a quarterback, you know, I really think that you might as well, if, if the next, if, at the second pick, if the top player available is a defensive lineman, you might as well take him, you know, unless you are really secure with a star at, at quarterback or a defensive lineman, you know, you might as well take at two, one, three, four, you know, if you're in a top, if you're drafting top five, you might as well take that best player available, especially if there's the, if those value positions like defensive lineman and quarterback. Yeah. And something we've seen from quarterbacks in the past few years, and I think maybe we could see with one, you know, one of Tua or um, Justin Herbert coming up, if they do slide in the draft, like a Lamar Jackson scenario, where sometimes for a young quarterback, being on a, on a better team, getting drafted a little bit lower is a good thing. You know, getting those weapons around you, getting that team and, good organization around you can definitely be a plus for some of these young quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think a guy like Tua would really, really uh, be enhanced with a a top team. Uh, You know, he's a guy that's had top players around him his entire college career. And if he was to get behind a really good offensive line that would give him some comfort, especially coming back from these injuries, 
um, give him some weapons to throw to with the arm he's got. He could be a, a real, you know, not freshman, but, you know, rookie sensation. Uh, he'd be, I think he'd be excellent. And I think honestly better than Burrow, even if Bur- even if Burrow has a good year, I mean, he's really going to struggle, I think, to do, you know, really what he's kind of expecting himself to do uh, without the weapons that he's going to need. And Goodell has just announced the pick. It is Chase Young going number two to the Redskins. Um, watching him and his family, it looks like in his basement there. Um, we just saw a picture of Chase Young. Uh, I knew he was from Maryland. He, he grew up yep. as a Redskins fan. It seemed like, you know, he, he was a legitimate fan and was legitimately interested and wanted to come to the Redskins. So, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting as a fan of your team to, you know, be able to bring home a, a, a hometown guy who, who really likes the team. Um, they're showing that he lived about 56 miles away from, you know, the practice facility and all that good stuff. But, you know, like, like we said before, and like we predicted, Chase Young goes to the Redskins and now moving on to the third pick, the Lions. Yeah. I'm a, two things I just want to say. One's kind of humorous and one is uh, serious about Chase Young. But like you said, he's hometown kid. I think that's always exciting for fans and for players to get to play for their hometown team. Um, and I think, you know, if you're a Redskins fan like Lars, I think that's something exciting for you, you know, maybe a little extra passion there, a little extra heart. Um, and the other thing I just want to point out, uh, if you've watched the draft, what is with that giant Redskins painting in Ron Rivera's basement? <laughs> that thing is huge, and it's in a big stand. I mean, you don't even need to comment on it, Lars. I just thought that was kind of humorous. But you're right, we're on to the Lions. Yeah, I mean, hey, he is a, he's a very all-in guy. Um, you know, he's passionate about his team and, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for that, you know, that big, the big poster back behind him, but yeah. yeah, the Lions have somehow only have three minutes on the clock now. I don't know. I don't know how that worked out, but um, yeah, a lot, they've been looking to trade down and some teams have been looking to trade up, you know, we'll see what happens. Only three minutes left, obviously, and nothing, you know, nothing announced yet on a trade. So they could be staying put here, which is, is kind of surprising, you know, given some of the rumors that have been building up here. Um, I mean, they certainly have a lot of options available. Yeah, if they do stay put here, are you going? Uh, you going Akuda? And that's what I, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if it was me, I would go Isaiah Simmons. But you know, it seems like the Lions have been pretty excited about Akuda for a while. So I, I would probably point in that direction just based on what I've been hearing, you know, reports wise. But you know, if if I was leading the Lions, if I if I had the pick here, I think Isaiah Simmons is just so versatile and s- such a good football player in so many ways that. You know, I think for a team like the Lions, who still does need talent, like a lot of these teams in the top five, I think Isaiah Simmons would be a better pick for them. But, you know, you know, we'll have to see in these next two minutes here now left on the clock. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with what you just said. I mean, I, I like Isaiah Simmons better, too. I, I think Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons might actually be my favorite player in this draft, even though I don't think he's necessarily the best player in this draft. Um, but uh, I think when you just got rid of Darius Slay um, – and the talent that Akuda does have, I mean, I mean, he's a potential, you know, he's a potential Jalen Ramsey out there. I mean, he's a really talented guy. I don't think you can necessarily go wrong with him either. Yeah, and the pick is in now for the Lions. Um, so it looks like they aren't trading it unless they are picking for that team and, you know, things will be announced later. But it looks like they're keeping their pick. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of things that have been speculated is teams trading up for an offensive tackle. Um, you know, that, that would be surprising to me. Um, I don't see the Lions taking an offensive tackle here, but um, what do you think about that, just offensive tackles going the draft high this year? I know there are a lot of big names, but um, do you think they're – do you think an offensive tackle is even warranted to be taken in the top 
top three or top five, you know, in that nature? Um, you know, personally, yeah, I mean, top three, maybe not. I think once you get out of the top three, yeah, I think so. Uh, if, and it really depends on what you think you have, you know, personally. Uh, I think if you're the Giants, yeah, absolutely. Four, yeah, I think you take an offensive tackle, no doubt. You've got what you – I mean, I think they think they have what is going to be their franchise quarterback. You know, they, they're pretty set at receiver, and you wouldn't take a receiver at four anyway. Um, you know, if there was a defensive lineman available, maybe uh, at four I would take him, but there isn't right now. So, you know, I, I think absolutely a tackle is kind of where you fall for, you know, a team in that four, five, six range. And I think, you know, personally, I think it's going to be Tristan Wirfs. Iowa to the Giants, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I'm a little surprised Detroit isn't trading this, but we'll find out here shortly. Uh, it's going to be a, a interesting pick here. Before they do announce their pick, I do want to say one thing. I think this is really interesting. I Like I said, I'm always a believer that drafts go the status quo, and if things do go to status quo, I think the top six are really going to get who they want. I think, you know, I think Giants are going to get a tackle, whether it be Wirfs, Thomas, um, I think Detroit's going to get the cornerback or maybe even Simmons if they want him. And then I think six and seven are both going to get quarterbacks. And I think it's pretty much, or sorry, five and six are both going to get quarterbacks. Uh, I think it's really going to fall the way these teams want, even with all the trading up and down talk. I'm not really sure it was necessary. Maybe that's what these teams kind of came out to thinking themselves. I don't know. Yeah, it turns out we are both right here. Jeff Akuda is picked by the Lions at number three. Um, like we said, we did like Isaiah Simmons more, but you know what the Lions have been looking for. They did just recently trade away Darius Slay to the Eagles, you know, their number one star cornerback. So adding Jeff Akuda definitely makes sense to bolster their defense. Um, you know, he, he definitely has a chance to be a Jalen Ramsey type of very athletic cornerback, um, but not just athletic, excellent coverage skills. We saw that in the college football playoff for Ohio State. Him and Chase Young really anchored that that top, college defense this year and you know now they both go two and three so what does that say about Ohio State this year but yeah I, I like Akuda. I mean I I think he gets a little grabby in coverage uh, that was one of the things that you know a lot of these analysts have been saying and I, I witnessed it you know when he was playing against Clemson and selling it and in the cultural play of against some better receivers. But that being said, I mean, he was clearly the best cornerback in the field. It wasn't even close. I mean, teams really weren't throwing his way. And if he, everything goes to plan for him, I think he's really, you know, he's just a top-level prospect. I mean, just all across the screen was the top cornerback coming out of high school. Now he's the top cornerback coming out of college. I mean, he's got some pedigree. And if I'm Matt Patricia, a guy that has really kind of always prioritized secondary, you know, especially when he's with the Patriots, uh, I'm pretty happy with this. Yeah, in the past few seasons, especially this free agency, they really solidified the rest of their defense, you know, with a lot of Patriots guys. Seems like, the you know, the Lions love to add those Patriots guys on their defense, thinking that they can emulate what, what Belichick is doing over there. But, you know, yeah. you can't, really can't go wrong with Jeff Akuda. No, I think Akuda was a smart pick. And going off what you just said, I mean, yeah, Flores, Patricia, not so much, you know, at Houston. Um, they haven't done this in much. But, you know, these quarter, these New England assistants, they love to take Patriots. And uh, it never really works out for them. You know, once or twice it'll it'll – do something but you know do I really expect uh those guys that they picked up to do too much no um you know the Patriots got rid of Harmon freed up cap space and spent it on an all pro and Adrian Phillips I mean that's just kind of you know you know they could have had Adrian Phillips I mean it's really just you know these guys taking these Patriots players and 
do they ever really get better for it? No, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I like the Lions. I like Patricia. Um, he's really had some really unfortunate, you know, seasons because of injuries. Um, so we'll see if, you know, this pick helps him turn it around. Yeah, now on the clock at four, the Giants. Um, again, they have pretty much any player they want available to them. Uh, I didn't see them as really a team that could that wanted to take a CUDA here. Obviously, Joe Burrow would not have been an option. They have their quarterback of the future in uh, Daniel Jones. They have Saquon Barkley. You know, the offense looks decent. A lot, a lot of people like to say with their GM, Dave Gettleman, they're, you know, they're looking at offensive tackle here. I, like I said, with the Lions, I still think Isaiah Simmons is an option here, but, you know, that you have four very good offensive tackles on the board, um, you know, and that's still a position of need for the Giants. You know, they tried to sign Nate Solder a couple years back, drafted Eric Flowers a couple years back, and, you know, haven't seemed to be able to really cover that offensive tackle position for good, you know, to protect Daniel Jones. So I, th- I think this would be a, you know, a nice spot for them to add some blindside protection for Jones and, you know, really improve that offensive line and you know, in the way that Gettleman loves to pick those guys in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no disputing that Gettleman loves linemen. I mean, he that's what he builds his team around, and I'm fully expecting an offensive tackle here, and uh, I think it's going to be between Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs. I've heard that they like Thomas, but Tristan Wirfs has clearly been the top-ranked tackle in this draft, so uh, I also think he's a, a distinct possibility. But like you said, Isaiah Simmons is a real force, uh, probably the most versatile guy in this draft. He can play linebacker, edge rusher. Uh, he can he can play safety, and he can play slot corner. So, I mean, he's a really special player, and uh, I would have no qualms if I was a Giants fan if he comes off the board right now. Yeah, I think Simmons fits their team pretty well. Um, I, I think if it's not an offensive tackle, it has to be him. But I'm I'm pretty much leading to an offensive tackle. I think it's either Wirfs or Thomas here. Um, like you said, Wirfs has been mocked the highest in a lot of drafts. Um, but I think Thomas is, is Andrew Thomas from Georgia is a very polished offensive tackle. I think they would be good for taking him. I think he'd be, you know, a very steady left tackle for a lot of years. You know, maybe Wirfs has a little bit more potential, but. Um, you know, I don't think they can go wrong here with, with Simmons or any of the offensive tackles. You know, one for agent signing for the, for the Giants this year who kind of turned me off for Jeff Akuda for them because, you know, they spent so much money on him. It's James Bradbury. They brought him over from the Panthers for three years, $45 million, you know, to shore up that secondary. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting the uh, I was expecting the Redskins to splash from cash on Bradbury after the Rivera signing, but uh, if you're a Redskins fan, thank goodness they did not. I don't think that was a smart signing, but you know, it's a typical typical move, you know, for someone to splash a little extra money on a guy that really hasn't shown he's a you know all pro type of player, and he's just you know I think Bradbury's a good player. He's not a great player. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that affects them in the future. You know, it's more cap hit than they probably wanted to give up, but hopefully he'll help shore up that secondary. You know, Jonas Jenkins, Jack Rabbit, I mean, he really has deteriorated. Uh, eventually, you know, are getting rid of – they eventually got rid of him, and, you know, so they need someone. You know, Eli Apple's gone too. So, you know, it, they really got a hole in that secondary, and hopefully Brad Wright can help fill it for him. Uh, going back to the tackles, I mean – yeah, like you said, Thomas. I think Thomas is the safest pick. Uh, I think he, you know, he's a four-year starter, uh, but that also means he's got a lot of miles on him. So uh, maybe you go for someone in 
you know, Worst, who's the junior, got a little less, you know, wear and tear, um, comes from another super heralded program in Iowa. And then you've also got Jedrick Wills on the board, who's more of a run blocker, which isn't really something they need, but he's still 6'4 to 3'12. Um, and he's also a junior from Alabama. I mean, you got three insanely talented offensive linemen here, and they're going to go, I think, all pretty soon here. Coming yeah, the, the pick is in for the Giants. Obviously, we'll have to wait a little bit for the announcement. Um, again, going back to your Patriots ties, something we haven't touched on, I don't think, since uh, since our show. They did sign Joe Judge, who they did. was formerly the, the Patriots wide receiver, special teams guy. A little bit of surprise for a lot of people, but – um, you know, I think, I think this could be a good hire, you know, you know, there's not a lot known about him, especially in the role of head coach. So, you know, it's hard to say in either way, what could happen, but, um, looking at the Patriots coaching tree, not many teams have had success pulling from that, you know, and they've been pulling, pulling steady offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator type guys. I mean, this is, this is a guy who's never been a top coordinator. So, you know, it's really hard to predict, but, you know, I've been hearing a lot of good things. Obviously, that could just be talk. You know, you never know. But, you know, do you have any Patriots perspective on Joe Judge here? I mean, their secondary is always well run. But, I mean, Belichick's got a background in that kind of stuff. So, I always kind of just assume that he had his fingers all over it. I mean, Judge had been there too long. Uh, he was always considered a well-liked assistant uh, from all the all accounts I heard. And he was a guy that was expected uh, to kind of step up into bigger roles in the coming years. Um, but, I mean, the Giants poached him for the head coach job before he could even get there. Uh, from all perspectives in terms of interviews, he appears to be going the route of, you know, that he wants – you know, them to be blue collar, just like their jerseys. Um, he wants them to be, you know, a neat, rough and tough New York team. He's not going the Hollywood or the celebrity New York kind of route. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes for him. I mean, he seems to be all in on, you know, creating a culture. And if he can do that, you never know. He might be successful. Yeah, and that, that's why I think, speaking of what you said about the blue collar attitude, you know, them being that type of team, that's why I think I'm so high on them taking an offensive lineman here. I think it just makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, you know, talking about the rest of their offense, like I said before, seems like they have their quarterback of the future in Daniel Jones set. Um, we all know what Saquon Barkley is, just an amazing talent at running back. Um, wide receiver, they could use some help, but obviously this is way too early to take any of these wide receivers in this draft. Um, you know, tight end, they also could need some help. But, you know, and the pick, is now, the pick has now been announced. It is Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Yep. So they went they went with the steady four-year guy. Um, you know, certainly can't go wrong, but you know, a lot of people said worse could be an option there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not necessarily surprised. I've been hearing for the last day and a half or so that uh Andrew Thomas was the guy that they were honing in on. I mean, he's a guy I think that a lot of teams were liked. Um Miami actually might not be too happy right now. Uh, I think it's a guy they were pretty interested in. Um, and if they're not going to take a quarterback, if Miami decides they're going to wait till later or wait till next year, they might be a little disappointed right now. Um, good news for them is there's a lot of good offensive tackles still available. And uh, I don't think they're going to be too disappointed with Wills or Wirfs. Um, it, Andrew Thomas is a solid guy. You know, he's protected – He's protected good quarterbacks for four straight years. He's got a lot of experience uh, under a good head coach. And uh, I don't think New York's going to be disappointed with this pick. I don't think he's a risky, quite as risky of a pick as like a guy like Eric Flowers was. And he'll be able to slide in either in right tackle or left tackle, whatever they need. Yeah, now the Dolphins are up with the fifth pick um, there on the clock. 
Um, this is this is where quarterback could be in play here. You know, obviously Justin Herbert and Tua still left on the board. Reports were that they were trying to trade up for an offensive tackle. So, you know, that also could be an option with the three guys left. But, you know, for me, if I was them, I would probably go for one of the two quarterbacks here, whichever one they like more. They've been they've been projected with Tua more than Herbert, I would say. But, you know, it, it really depends on fit and, and all that. But they had a promising end of the year, the Dolphins did, with Brian Flores, another ex-Patriots guy, like we keep talking about. Um, you know, they had a decent run at the end. They had their players playing hard, although – them along with the Bengals probably had the two worst rosters in the NFL last year. You know, they, they were able to pick up a little more wins and, you know, they, they played with spirit and it was promising under a first year head coach and Brian Flores. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think he really had them roaring to go uh, in the last few games of the season. He kind of was what appears to be building a culture, which is really what you want as your head football coach. Let's hope that uh, him and the GM are able to, you know, put together a kind of a cohesive draft and really uh, contribute to whatever vision they have. Like you said, two has been the name you've heard from the very beginning. But from what I've heard uh, in the recent days or hours leading up to this draft is that a couple executives um, and Dan Marino kind of got involved and they are really Herbert minded in terms of what they believe so uh, if it's not an offensive tackle here which I don't expect it to be um, I think Herbert uh, that's gonna be my, my pick I mean what are you thinking here what's 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 your what's your head telling you uh, to me just just thinking of what these teams have gone off in the past I mean obviously that could change they both have you know somewhat new regimes here talking about the Dolphins and the Chargers here um, you know I would probably say Herbert fits the Chargers more and Tua fits the Dolphins more. I mean, you know, that's also just personal preference there. I think Herbert fits the mold of the, uh, the you know, Philip Rivers type guy. Um, obviously, they still have Tyrod Taylor, who they've been saying they're very high on and, you know, want to give him a chance to start. But, you know, Herbert would be kind of a, a contrasting guy to him. And, you know, I, I don't think they're really going into the season. The Chargers are thinking that Tyrod Taylor is going to be a starter. I think they're they're probably going to take a quarterback, and I think the Dolphins will too. I think right here, you know, is going to be is going to be the run on these two quarterbacks. Um, fortunately for the Dolphins, they are ahead of the Chargers, so they get their pick. And you know, I'm curious about the Chargers if they don't get their top quarterback, if they still go with the other one, or if they somehow view another player as higher than the quarterback. You know, I'm I'm curious what they value more on. You know, if I was in their draft room right now. Yeah, I think we got two wild cards here in Miami uh, and Chargers. I think it's going to be super interesting to see where they go. I think Miami's got the clear vision. Uh, I think, you know, Chargers are probably a little more scattered because of, of the loss of Phillip Rivers and a kind of a really down year from what everyone was expecting um, this past season. So, like you said, uh, I'm not really sure what the Chargers are going to do if they don't get what, it, like you said, perceived as their quarterback of the future. I, I agree that, you know, you would, you think Miami fits with Tua better than Herbert. That, for whatever reason, whether, whether it be the style of play or, you know, where they played in college, where they played in high school, Tua just seems like the guy that fits. Um, but, I mean, Flores is a pretty tough, you know, strong, you know, culture kind of guy. I think Herbert could fit that as well. And I think Herbert might actually benefit from having a coach um, that is kind of a – a tougher, you know, stronger personality. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the dolphins here, they, they're big for agent signing who the money was pretty surprising. 
um, for a lot of people. Byron, yes. they added for five years, $82.5 million, is now the highest paid cornerback in NFL history, you know, coming over from the Cowboys. So, you know, they, they, they made a splash on their defense. Um, I think they, as a whole, need a lot of help. The pick is in, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if it is that quarterback or, you know, that off chance that it is an offensive tackle. But, you know, a team that needs a lot of help, and they, I think they get the pick of, you know, any player they wanted here. I mean, I think the draft's gone pretty much to where you would expect it, besides maybe Thomas, you know, with the Giants. They could have gone a number of ways with their offensive lineman pick, but, you know, as far as Akuda and, and Chase Young and Burrow, I think it's gone pretty to plan for, for teams in this draft so far. So the Dolphins, I think, are going to get the guy that they want, and, you know, they certainly need it next year with, with the, you know, a little bit of lack of talent they have on their roster. Yeah, and, you know, some would say they're certainly an opening to, uh, you know, take over some games from the Patriots and maybe move up in the division a little bit. So they're certainly looking to strike this coming year, and a, a good quarterback would certainly help. If, if they think they've got the guy in mind, I have a feeling they're going to take him. Yeah, we're still waiting for the pick here. I just saw Brian Flores. Looked like he was in a, a pretty empty room there, and he was with his kids. Um, I know the pick is in, but he didn't seem very, very serious there. Looks pretty comfortable with the pick. You know, he was smiling and all that. Um, we're looking yeah. forward to Goodell announcing it a little bit, but yeah. And they showed two. Uh, I don't know. Have they showed Herbert? I didn't see him. No, I haven't. I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen Herbert yet. But the pick is in. Goodell is announcing, and it is. It is Tua. Tua gets picked by the Dolphins here at number five. Okay. Um, you know, okay. the Alabama quarterback, the good old lefty. Uh, the guy who took over in the national championship game, you know, the first taste America ever got of him for Alabama to uh, um, taking over in the national championship game, winning that in overtime. Um, you know, obviously one of the most hyped college quarterbacks, you know, in the past few years, but a lot of injuries, you know, a lot of injuries associated with him. That's been a big question leading up. You know, he's been seeing a lot of doctors even during this quarantine to try to convince teams that he's worthy of, you know, a, a high selection and, it looks like he did that. It looks like he convinced the Dolphins here, and he gets picked number five. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I love this pick or hate this pick for them, to be honest. I like Tua, you know, just the fact that he's a lefty alone. I, I, I'm a lefty. I always think it's super cool to see a lefty quarterback out there. Um, he's, you know, he's a hyper-athletic guy, and, you know, if, if he can take hits with that hip, uh, which from all – Count and purposes he can. Um, I think he's going to be a pretty solid player in this league. I think Brian Flores is shown to be a pretty smart coach. If they can, you know, fill in some offensive line talent, you know, give him um, some reliable, you know, weapons, he, he could be a pretty special player. I, I think, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to start right away either if they don't want him to. You know, Fitzpatrick can start a few games this coming season if needed. Uh, so, you know, there's not going to be too much pressure on him. It's not a situation where I don't think anyone's expecting him to, you know, take them to a Super Bowl right away. He's got a little bit of room to grow. Um, and I think the the team itself just fits fits his personality. I think it's kind of a marketer's dream, to be honest. Yeah, they do need to add some weapons around Tua. And, and I do think if there still is an injury concern, I think just let him sit out as long as he needs. I mean, this isn't a situation where the, the Dolphins really need to be rushing if the injuries are still concerned, let him sit out. Make sure he is 110% healthy before you even think about putting him on the field. Um, but, yeah, promising things for the Dolphins there. Moving on to a team, like you said before, who kind of had a down year from what people were expecting, the Chargers here, who are now on the clock. They lost Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon went to the, the Broncos over the offseason after that holdout. 
but you know this could be a spot for Justin Herbert here um besides that maybe Isaiah Simmons still on the board but Justin Herbert makes sense for them like I said before I don't believe they're gonna really try a full season with Tyrod Taylor I mean for a team that still has this much talent like the Chargers do you know I don't think that's the right decision for them yeah I mean especially for a coach that seems to be uh, you know appearing to be coaching for his you know his career here I think you're playing it pretty pretty loose, you know, keeping Tyrod Taylor as your starting quarterback. I like the guy. He's a Virginia Tech graduate. Uh, he's got a lot of poise. Uh, he's fairly accurate, but he he's got, doesn't have a lot of zip on the ball. Uh, he can move, but, you know, he's not super fast. I think uh, I think Herbert's the pick here. I like Herbert. He, Herbert's been my, best, my favorite quarterback out of this class since the very beginning. I think he's been underrated, uh, not too much exposure in, in an Oregon team that hasn't been a prime time team since uh, Mariota left. I really like that Oregon program. I like Herbert as a quarterback. And I think if, you, if you're looking for a comp, uh, a really, really good comparison for him is Josh Allen. Uh, but maybe a little bit more accurate. I think he makes more throws than Josh Allen. Josh Allen might be a little bit better runner than him. But I think that's that's the comp you're looking for. Maybe not the best touch, but he can make all the throws for sure. Yeah, one of the main knocks I've heard on Herbert, you know, coming to the draft um, there was a big article that came out about him about how he, you know, he's not the best leader. You know, he's not the most outspoken guy. And, you know, that is important for a quarterback. But then again, this this was an article written by, you know, people that presumably don't really know him. So, you know, I'm not really sure how much I buy that. But that that's that's been, a you know, part of the reason why he's dropped a little bit from that, you know, tied for number one quarterback ranking that he, that he had for a couple of years leading up to this draft. But you know, I think, yeah, like you said, the Chargers, pretty much a no-brainer here for them to take Herbert and improve their quarterback situation. Um, yeah, after this is where I think it start, could start to get interesting, but, you know, we're still going to have to wait for this Chargers pick. I mean, going back to Herbert real quick, I mean, the situation he's he theoretically going to be going into here uh, with the Chargers, I mean, he's got Keenan Allen, he's got Hunter Henry, he's got Austin Eckler, he's got a decent offensive line. I mean – and for all intents and purposes, he's got a, you know, he's staying on the West Coast where it's warm and where he's comfortable. He's not too far from home. Um, he's got uh, what third year head coach now. Um, and, you know, he's got some veteran leadership on this team. He doesn't need to be the only voice. I think, I think it's a good situation for him. Just like I thought this, this, the Miami was a good situation for Tua. And to be completely honest, I mean, I keep saying it, but this draft has just gone super status quo. Everyone's gotten who they wanted, and it's gone exactly the order that was expected. And uh, to, to me, that's almost a little surprising, but uh, to to my draft theory, as I have uh, as I've stated earlier. Yeah, and uh, one, one thing that also has been said by a lot of, you know, knowledgeable NFL guys is this draft could go a lot of ways for different teams because, there, you know, there's not as much – intermingling between scouts and you know gm to gm talk and that kind of thing so it's really going to depend on you know your organization your football team and you know the scouts that you have and how good they are at their jobs because this is really going to be an internal operation and obviously this is also going to be more down to the coaches and the gm's opinions here i mean there's not really going to be war rooms like like we're used to in drafts you know obviously they're still communicating and all that stuff but the, you know there's not that face-to-face contact and communication that we're so used to when it comes to the NFL draft. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of question marks this year. And I think a lot of teams are, you know, going to go with more of 
their head coach, GM, than maybe they normally would when listening to their scouts because, you know, that guy is in a room by himself making that pick and, you know, there's not really anyone to question him if he feels a certain way about the, about a certain player. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, the, the ultimate, uh, you know, example of that is Jerry Jones locking himself in his house and telling his scouts that uh, he doesn't want to be contacted today. So basically just making the picks of his own volition, you know, I'm sure they gave him a lot of information to make these picks based on. I'm sure they gave him suggestions. Um, and I'm sure he's in contact with certain people, but I just find that extremely entertaining and extremely Jerry Jones-esque. And, but I mean, it just exemplifies what you just said. I mean, these guys are kind of free to make the picks how they want. They don't have a room full of guys telling them no. And it's going to be super interesting to see how that, you know, leads these guys to make picks that maybe we aren't expecting or maybe we are expecting. Yeah. And just watching this broadcast here, it's just super weird seeing Mel Kuyper and Trey Wingo, you know, on screens separate from each other. We're used to that, you know, generic, Radio City Music Hall type thing with this draft. Uh, it was supposed to be in Las Vegas, I think. You know, it was supposed to be in Las Vegas, water. and yeah, and the team guys were supposed to come onto the onto the thing from boats across the water. Come onto the stage. Yeah, yeah the it pick, was supposed to be a wild draft. The pick has just been announced. It is Justin Herbert going there to the Chargers. Go. So again, status quo, like you've been saying. Um, I think we pretty much touched on touched on Herbert though, and you know, it's fit in the NFL and with the Chargers, but. Again, you know, a widely predicted thing that picks number five and six were going to be quarterback. And, you know, it was just a question of who was going to go to going to go to what position. And now we know that on um, the Dolphins took Tua and the Chargers took Justin Herbert. Yes. Yeah, so now we come to seven Carolina. You know, this has been a highly predicted pick of uh, Derek Brown um, from Auburn, the defensive lineman, big defensive nose tackle. You know, I think it could easily be him, but if he doesn't go here, he's going to slip. I mean, I th- think that's the way this is going to be. Um, I think here is the perfect place to take Simmons if you're Carolina. Uh, you need defensive talent. You're still rebuilding. You just got a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, which I'm sure we'll touch on in the minutes to come here. But, I mean, Isaiah Simmons, like we've said so many times already in this podcast, he's versatile. He's strong. He's athletic. Why not take him here at seven and really give your defense – a real talent boost. Yeah, and Luke Keekley did just retire, surprise, exactly. in the offseason. So they have a big hole at linebacker. You know, Isaiah Simmons could be a linebacker. He could be a safety. He could be whatever you want, to be honestly. He's just that good, in my opinion. I know we've been talking about him a lot, but I think he he really is a no-brainer here at seven. The, the Panthers have gone, over, gone, you know, with a little bit of turmoil this offseason. They hired Matt Rule, kind of a controversial hire out of, out of Baylor, threw a lot of money. He looked like he was going to the Giants until they ended up throwing like six years, ten million per year at Matt Rule, you know, to to woo him over to the Panthers. But you know, as far as that signing and then signing Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater for a lot of money from the from the Saints, there's been a lot of turmoil with the Panthers this offseason with that quarterback move and letting go of Cam Newton. Um, so it's going to be a different team next year. Going to be a different style. You know, I think if you want to see what the Panthers are going to be like next year, look a little bit at what Baylor was this year. They were a talented team, a 10-win team in college. So um, definitely looking up a little bit for the Panthers. But, again, another inexperienced head coach, um, college guy. So, you know, definitely not too sure what's going to happen with them next year. Yeah, I mean, Rule is a well-thought-of guy, but college guys are always 
going to be, you know, they're always going to be ridiculed coming into the league. They're always going to be people, you know, saying they're not ready. And uh, I think there's something you said for that because, you know, even the best college coaches, you know, Nick Saban, uh, for example, couldn't make it in the NFL. And we're going to have to wait and see on that rule. He's, you know, he's gone up in level numerous times. Uh, he was at Temple for a short time. Did so well there. He ended up at, at Baylor. And, uh, you know, that's his story. But, I mean, I think Carolina is going to, I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I'm kind of excited. You know, they're a completely new regime. I was never a real fan of the of the Cam Newton, you know, period there for them, but even though they were pretty dominant for a short time and their defense was spectacular. I think uh, I think Matt Rule's going to bring something something completely different to this organization, and we're going to see which way he goes here with this pick. Yeah, and other news for the Panthers over the offseason, they signed Christian McCaffrey to an extension that made him the highest-paid running back in the NFL. Um and I think part of the reason they paid him that much was because he's a running back. But not only that, he's he's a very talented receiver. Um, you know, he has the potential to maybe one day even lead the league in receptions. I mean, he's just that good. You know, in, in both facets, everyone who has a fantasy team knows, you know, how influential Christian McCaffrey is to, to a football game, you know, whether it's running, blocking, catching. So he's, you know, he's a fundamental piece for them along with Teddy Bridgewater on offense and you know, like you said, Derek Brown makes sense for the Panthers of the past, you know, with their defensive heavy, big, you know, big defensive lineman type scheme. But maybe Matt Rule has a different, you know, a different take on things. And Isaiah Simmons is the guy, um, you know, there's still those three very talented offensive linemen on the board, you know, a bunch of wide receivers who, again, like I said before, I think that's a little too early for those receivers. But, you know, they got options and you know, yeah, they, I mean, they certainly have a talented team left, you know, to work with. So it's not like they're working with a blank sheet of paper here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who, you know, I don't know who the Carolina Panthers are in love with. I mean, they've been mocked with Brown this whole time. So I'm not going to be surprised at all if that's the pick. Um, but like we've said, I think Simmons just – it's a no-brainer. I mean, just just go ahead and, you know, clock it in here. Um, start over your new regime with how to boost the talent. But – you know, if Brown's where they go, it's where they go. I don't think they'll be super disappointed with that pick, and let you know, unless he comes in Albert Haynesworth style, like 200 pounds overweight. Um, but I mean, he's the best player at his position. If that's what they feel they need, that's what they feel they need. You know, offense is going to be, you know, it's going to be solid. I think it's going to be consistent. I think their offense is going to be consistent. You know, like you said, McCaffrey and Bridgewater are consistent talents. Bridgewater is always going to be accurate, and McCaffrey is just spectacular. Um, but they're one injury away from being not consistent. You know, one of those guys gets out, goes down, and they they could be in trouble. They've got some wide receiver talent, decent offensive line. So I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, looking forward here, one more pick. Uh, Arizona is next up on the board. I think, I think they're another offensive line possibility. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, they really need to start protecting Kyler Murray. Um, he played really well in his rookie season, you know, for the expectations that were laid upon him being that small of a, of a quarterback. He definitely needs the added protection that some of these very talented offensive linemen, um, you know, could give him. Um, Cliff Kingsbury loves his offense. I would be surprised if they went defense here, just, you know, based on them going all in on Cliff Kingsbury last off season and, you know, trying to become this, this uh, offensive juggernaut trading for Deandre Hopkins you know, to build up that, to build that solid offense, Re- re-signing Kenyon Drake, giving him the franchise tag um, who came over from a trade with the Dolphins. I think you're right. I think uh, 
you know, offensive lineman is, is pretty solid here for the Cardinals. But, you know, we'll see if status quo remains for the Panthers and beyond or if we start seeing some surprises. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been a trade yet. Uh, I don't yeah. know about you, but that was that was something that was talked about a lot in reports leading up to the draft. But, you know, we haven't seen it yet with some of these teams that, that have been rumored to, you know, be trading up. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of draft left. Yeah, I'm very surprised we haven't seen a trade yet. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors that the teams were looking to move up and a lot of teams were moving to look back. Um, so I, I'm very surprised we haven't seen a trade yet, you know. But we're, we're coming up on some teams that still have potential to move up or down. So uh, we're going to see one, I think, within these top 15 picks that we're going to be covering. Um, do you think if Isaiah Simmons is available to Arizona on this next pick, do you think they take him? I mean, I definitely would. But again – you know, with with all of the stuff they invested in Kyler Murray last, you know, last draft for the number one pick, with them trading for DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I, I think offensive tackle makes more sense even then than Isaiah Simmons, you know, as talented as he is. I just think with what they've invested in offense and what they want to be, you know, as a football team, um, they've really gone all in on Kyler Murray. And when you have a quarterback that you drafted number one a year before, you need to protect a young quarterback. So – you know, if, if there was more of a talent drop-off between guys like Wills and Tristan Wirfs and Mecky Becton than Isaiah, than Isaiah Simmons, then I would go with Simmons. But, you know, I don't think there is that talent drop-off there with some of the offensive linemen. So, you know, for, for Arizona, I would still, for me, prefer for them to go uh, offensive linemen. But the Panthers have now announced their pick. It is Derek Brown, defensive tackle. Okay. So okay. You, you called that one. I'll give you credit for that one. Um, it seems like the mocks were right on that one. Yeah, I mean, they've been they've been matched up with him since like literally since the combine ended. I mean, months months we've been saying they've been saying they're going to take Derek Brown. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily see why, um, but you always need a force on the defensive line. You always need that nose tackle to stuff the run. Um, you know, they can play him as a nose tackle or you know as a, just a regular. Uh, three four you know defensive line it, it'll be it'll be interesting I mean I think he's going to do fine you know he's a big guy six five three twenty six you know he's a he's a smaller you know more athletic Vince Wilfork or, or some you know a comp similar to that and uh he's going to do good things for them I, I would have taken Simmons he's just a superior talent but they're gonna they're gonna have to move on with Brown after this pick and uh use him to the best of their ability yeah, we were talking about the Cardinals before. They have the eighth pick. They're on the clock here with three minutes left. Um, you know, like we said before, offensive line is a, you know, is a big need for them at left tackle, and there's certainly a lot of options there. Um, Isaiah Simmons keeps sliding. I mean, do you see a possibility of him going here? Or, I mean, do you see Jacksonville as a chance for Isaiah Simmons? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. I think – both these teams are going to consider Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I don't see him slipping past Jacksonville. I, I don't. Um, Jacksonville's given up so much defensive talent, and they're probably going to lose Ngoku coming up here in the coming weeks, if not tonight or the following nights. Um, so I, I think I think it's uh, I think it's very possible Jacksonville ends up with him. But I mean, Arizona's got to consider him too. I mean, you know, Patrick Peterson's not getting any any younger. He's the stud of their defense. Chandler Jones isn't getting any younger. Uh, their defense is aging. You know, they haven't hit on many rookies coming in the last few years. And uh, I think they're going to 
they're going to consider him. But I think offensive tackle, like you said, may just make too much sense, especially to a, a regime led by Cliff Kingsbury, who's just super offensive minded. Yeah, I know it's pretty surprising to me to see Simmons drop this far, and I hope he gets picked soon. I mean, he certainly deserves it, like we've been saying all show, and maybe we'll stop, talk, stop talking about Simmons here soon. But, you know, we just think he's 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 top three player in the draft. He's just that good in the impact, in the impact he has for the game. Yeah, you know, but, I mean, it, I was just going to say, if you watched him in college, if you watched that college football playoff, I mean – him and Chase Young were just – they were the two best players in the field which whenever they were out there. I mean, they were just so athletically spectacular. And and it's just amazing. I mean, like, if you ever play a sport, um, to play one position well is hard, especially at the college level. To play, like, four positions well, like, like he can do, like Isaiah Simmons can do, is just – it's just mind-blowing. I mean, he clearly – to be able to do that, you have to be smart as well as athletic. And, and so uh, he – just has so much value in my mind but I mean I'm not a scout I mean there's got to be a reason he's slipping here maybe it's just need based but I mean we're gonna see you know I'm also curious what you thought about the DeAndre Hopkins trade I mean personally I think they made out with a pretty good deal here Bill O'Brien is not helping his reputation in the NFL um, with some of these trades he's doing to hurt 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 uh, uh, Deshaun Watson and the offense they have over there but you know, I think they got a very good deal with DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, they gave up David Johnson, who they were basically begging to get rid of because he's his cap hit, and they all they did was give up one second-round pick in this year's draft. So, yeah, I mean, if you think DeAndre Hopkins isn't worth a second-round pick, then you're just uh, you're just not paying attention. I mean, he's probably the best football or best wide receiver in football, and if not the best, I mean, he's top four. I mean, absolutely for sure. Uh, he is athletic, fast, and he's got some of the best hands ever. I mean, he's just a crazy ability to catch the ball. Um, you give him to Kyler Murray, who's got an arm and got the ability to be elusive. I mean, it was just a no-brainer for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury. It looks like we will stop talking about Isaiah Simmons. He is drafted by the Cardinals here at number eight, which, you know, like we've been talking about, it's kind of surprising for him to go number eight to the Cardinals. Um, we thought they would go offensive tackle, but Certainly, like we've been talking about all show, he certainly has a talent to be picked by any of these teams here, regardless of fit. I mean, he's just that good. Um, I think I think we pretty much talked about the Cardinals there. At number nine, we have the Jaguars, who are now on the clock. Um, like you said, they've let go of a lot of defensive talent, uh, you know, in the past few years, and Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye, and all, and Yannick Ngakwe now, you know, trying to force his way out, it seems, getting into a fight with the owner's son on Twitter. So you know, interesting stuff going on with the, with the Jaguars. Seems like they want to go with Gardner Minshew at least for a year at quarterback. Not that there's really another guy on the board that would really fit them in, you know, in this position at number nine. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I'm seeing C.J. Henderson on the board here for that. I mean, I think that that only makes sense. Um, I think next year is the year they can target a quarterback. I think they're going to be picking in the top five. I don't think they have too much talent. Um, and I think you know, ownership coaching. I just, I just think it's kind of deteriorating as for them as a team that kind of came out of nowhere to be one of the better teams in football. And then I think they just, they've deteriorated very quickly. Um, but I think they're going to be really in the game for a quarterback next year. Um, if you're uh, if you're Justin Fields, um, 
or Trevor Lawrence. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but uh, you certainly, you know, you're certainly going to get an organization that, that's been competitive recently. I think they go defense here, and then I think they worry about quarterback next year, unless maybe Gardner Minshew, you know, blows up and has an amazing year. Who knows? Maybe they don't need one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that they're going, they're not going to go offense here. I think definitely uh, defense. And I think CJ Henderson just makes logical sense. Yeah. CJ Henderson is interesting though, you know, in terms of guys in this draft, he hasn't been too hyped up, but he's always, you know, he's always stayed in this kind of range in this, in all these mock drafts. He's kind of been flying on under the radar, but not, if you know what I mean, like he's, he's been staying around the Jaguars, but you know, he hasn't been as hyped as some of these other guys. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's kind of a good, like, I think he suffered from the fact that Florida has just also kind of somehow for such a high profile team has kind of flown under the radar in the last few years. Uh, they haven't really been competitive in terms of like, uh, you know, national championships. So, you know, you don't see them maybe in prime time as much as you used to. Um, you know, he had a solid year. Only only played nine games last season, 32 tackles, one sack, no interceptions, which kind of has to be a little bit of a concern, but he only played nine games. Uh, he's got good speed. He's got good size. Um, you know, he's 6'1", 204. Um, he has good technique, but, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how that translates. You know, you never know. Um, he had a really good junior season, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, C.J. Henderson, definitely, I would say, the number two cornerback in this draft. I mean, I don't think another corner even comes close to his ability in this draft. So, you know, if corner is where they want to go and if C.J. Henderson is where they want to go, I think that makes sense for them, you know, especially trading away yeah. Jalen Ramsey last season. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's two cornerbacks that are going to be, you know, about 10 picks back here, I think. Uh, Christian Fulton and A.J. Terrell are both pretty solid cornerbacks, but they don't have the size that he has. I mean, he's like a good – 10, 15 pounds heavier, uh, you know, at his heaviest weight. Um, they're about the same height, but I mean, it, you know, I see Henderson, I think is just a cut above in terms of prototypical size. And that's what a team like a rebuilding team, like the Jaguars is going to look, be looking for. Yeah. And I know we talked about Yannick and Gakwe trying to force a trade. There's been a lot of talk about uh, the running back Leonard Fournette possibly being traded as well. You know, this off season, um, you know, he had his best season in their, their best season ever, you know, the season that they made the AFC championship game, losing to the Patriots, you know, having, having that nice run they did there, but he hasn't really been able to live up to, to that kind of standard in the season since um, he's been injured a little bit as well, but still a talented guy, but, you know, along with him and Ngakwe, if they're able to move them, get some more draft picks, they'll be drafting pretty high next year. So, you know, I think they're in a rebuilding stage coming up. I don't think Gardner Minshew is going to, be able to deliver deliver them too many wins next year so you know I think it'll be curious to see I'll be curious to see what happens with those two guys you know whether they get moved during the draft after the draft if either of them stay for next season I think Fournette staying is more likely than Ngakwe staying but you know it's all up in the air at this point for the Jaguars yeah, I mean, uh, we've heard, you know, at least I've heard the owner continues to want to win, um, but doesn't want to, you know, but wants to trade all this talent away. You know, they're kind of stuck in, you know, a lot of teams end up in this, you know, oh, we've traded away a certain amount of talent, but we still kind of feel like we can be competitive. And I think they're trying to play the game, you know, the a lot of, you know, NBA teams, you try to see this, do this rebuild where you stay competitive, but you, you know, you draft well and maybe you you know lure a good free agent away and that's really hard to do in football just not something you see happen very often so uh, I, I think 
I think they're kind of eventually just succumb to the rebuilding stage and move forward. Yeah, I think they need to, especially in that division. Um, we we saw the Titans make it to the, you know, to the to the AFC Championship this year. Still have the Texans in that division, who you know, despite losing Hopkins and some other guys, added David Johnson, added some other pieces. Still have Deshaun Watson, who has a lot of potential in this league and got his first playoff win this offseason. So, you know, it's still a decently competitive division that they're in. And, you know, with the talent on their roster, it doesn't, doesn't look too promising for next year. Um, Henderson certainly will, will bolster their defense if that is the pick. You know, it should be coming up here soon. But, you know, more about the Jaguars. I think, I think it was disappointing to see what happened to them, you know, the past few years. Um, it, it was so promising for that one season. You know, everyone thought they were around to stay, um, obviously without Blake Bortles. And I think this decision to sign Nick Foles really, really ended up biting them in the end. Um, that was a lot of money to throw at a guy who had one magical playoff run. And, you know, I think it's kind of hurt their franchise a little bit moving on from Blake Bortles and not being able to pick the right replacement so far. Yeah, I mean, Blake Bortles is nothing special. You know, he can make a few throws. He was a big body and... You know, he was consistent in the fact that he was always on the field, but, I mean, he wasn't anything special. But Nick Foles has been equally disappointing. I mean, he's gone now. If that, you know, that speaks volumes in itself. I think that was pretty predictable in the fact that it was a waste of money. Um, I don't know who made that decision, but uh, it was a a misstep, and I think it was a pretty predictable misstep. You know, he, he definitely earned himself some extra money with his play, Nick Foles did, but he didn't, you know, if you were paying attention, you shouldn't have given him that much money. Yeah, yeah, and the Jaguars have, have kind of been, you know, very bad at picking quarterbacks the last few years. Not one really in their radar here, you know, unless somehow 1% chance Jordan Love pops up. But I would be – I I would probably fall on the floor if they pick Jordan Love here. I mean, I would be that surprised here. Um, I think we've talked enough about C.J. Henderson. That pick will be announced pretty soon with them and the Jaguars. Hopefully, if we're right – you know, we're on a, a pretty good percentage here so far, um, you know, with yeah, picking things right. I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Goodell's walking on the stage now about to announce. Let's see it. And the pick is C.J. Henderson. So, yep. anyway, I think I think so far with these nine picks, at least, at least one of us have gotten them right. I think at least six of them, I think both of, them, both of us had them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's it's been status quo. It's been predictable. I mean – I don't know. Maybe these guys are afraid to step out of line because of everything going on. You know, I think this is so interesting the way the coronavirus has affected this, um, not just from the presentation point of view, but I mean, this is that ultimate, like if you're a, if you're a scout or, or a GM, like this is the ultimate excuse. Like if like, like just for, you know, as an example, like if the Browns were to take someone just completely, like if they were to take some, a running back here or something completely ridiculous, like, if two years from now, if it doesn't work out, you say, oh, well, I couldn't work them out. You know, there was the coronavirus. We, we couldn't meet for individual workouts. So, like, you know, it, I think there's two ends of the spectrum. You know, you, as a GM, you either, you, can, you either say, you know, this is my time to take a chance, or you say, this is my time. This is the time I can't take a chance, and I've got to, I've got to be, play it safe. And I think so far we've seen some pretty safe plays here. Yeah, we'll see what the Browns do now number 10. They just became on the clock, and their pick is already in. So they must be pretty confident here. Another trade, I mean, another non-trade again, still no trades. Um, You know, again, a team like all these teams in the top 10 so far, a lot of turmoil last year. 
they had very, very high expectations. I mean, leading up to the to the season last year, a lot of people were saying even Super Bowl for this Browns team. And, you know, looking back on that that expectation now, it's pretty laughable, you know, with what they were able to do and how that team kind of fell apart last year. Um, Odell still had a decent season, but, you know, not what we were expecting. And, you know, Baker certainly regressed from that accurate quarterback that people thought he was. You know, he, he really struggled with turnovers and, you know, leadership and, and consistent play last year. Um, they signed Austin Hooper to a very big deal in the offseason. Now the league's highest paid tight end, which, you know, certainly in my opinion is an overpay. Um, the price was definitely driven up by competitors, namely Washington, some other teams that were, you know, interested in, in a top tight end. But, you know, Matt Ryan always loves to throw to, throw to tight ends, and that's where Austin Hooper came from, Atlanta. So I think it was an overpay there. But they have a lot of weapons on offense with Odell and him and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is coming back for them, so. You know, they certainly have a lot of talent on offense, so we'll see what happens. They've been talking offensive tackle for the Browns for a while. If they don't go that here, it's interesting because Trent Williams becomes a trade possibility for them. Yeah, I mean, I can't – unless they have a deal for Trent Williams in their back pocket, unless they can say, you know, we're going to get a top offensive tackle and trade, we're going to target someone else, there's no reason you you don't take Tristan Wirfs here. I mean – he was mocked in almost every draft in the top five, and you and he falls to you this late. There's no reason not to take him. Yeah, and they have three good offensive linemen available here. Um, you know, with Worse, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, and Mackie Becton from Louisville. Goodell is announcing the pick right now pretty quickly. Um, he's announcing that you know they're they're donating donating proceeds from the boo the commish thing that they've been doing on twitter you know that competition that they did with bud light where um you know different retweets are were donating money to to coronavirus research but you know he'll continue on with this here he announces the pick and it is jedrick wills from alabama wow so they go with an offensive tackle um but you know tristan worse continues to slide down the board um we originally had him at number four to the giants but he he continues to slide here, is available for the Jets at number 11, who still, you know, have been projected by a lot of people to take an offensive tackle as well. So that's a possibility for them. But Jedrick Wills, you know, Alabama guys seemingly are always safe, but, you know, a lot of them have a lot of wear and tear on their legs. They play a lot of games, um, pretty rigorous practice. And they're showing on the screen now he's played 28 consecutive games, which, you know, isn't isn't four years, but it is a lot of time on an offensive lineman's legs. But, you know, we'll see what happens with Jedrick Wills. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they're always safe. You know, most of the time, those Alabama offensive linemen, at least the ones that are projected this high, oftentimes are pro-ready. And if you're a Cleveland Brown team, you wanted the guy that you could plug and play. um, And, you know, wanted that guy that can immediately protect your quarterback and your franchise um, out there on the field. And I think that's probably what they – what the motivation here was behind Frederick Wills. It was really a coin toss really between Wills and Worse. Worse is the better pass defender or sorry, pass protector and Wills is the better uh, rush protector. So, uh, you know, they've got some good, you know, running game going and, you know, if they don't think that maybe they don't think uh, Baker and necessarily the way they're going to run their offense this coming season, maybe they're going to focus a little bit more on the running game. And if so, uh, Wills is even a better pick, but I think either way, he's going to protect your, protect your uh, franchise pretty well. Interesting thing though, here in the highlights they're showing 
Um, I had known this coming up, but I, I had viewed him more as a left tackle, but um, he, he played a lot of right tackle for Alabama last year. So I wonder how that translates. I mean, I know a lot of guys are, you know, can go either way with left and right tackle, but certainly says something that if you're, if they're drafting him here, which presumably you don't draft an offensive lineman at number 10 to be a right tackle, presumably they're going to switch him over to left tackle. That's interesting because, you know, it doesn't seem like he's played many snaps at left tackle. So definitely going to be a little bit of tra- a little bit of a transition there for him. Something to keep in mind, uh, this is not to do uh, with either the team or the player, um, but something to keep in mind for everyone listening out there. Uh, Miami, who just picked uh, Tua, keep in mind that the reason a left tackle is so important in football is because, you know, right-handed throwers are blindsided um, by the left side. Keep in mind now, that I don't know, I, I we're gonna have to look this up. Um, Miami is now gonna need a right tackle to be their star offensive lineman because the blind side for Tua will be his right side, and that is probably why Jeter Bills played right tackle. If I had to, if I had to say, yeah, that would have been interesting. I, I mean, I know the Browns probably weren't looking to to trade out of this pick, but that would have been interesting. With everyone knows, the Dolphins have a lot of picks in this draft. They have fourteen picks. I mean, they have double the amount of picks as there are rounds in the draft, so they certainly have a lot of ammo to trade off. That would have been an interesting scenario, definitely, if they somehow would have got him, you know, back into the back into the first round and been able to draft him, you know, reunite yeah, I mean, those guys. But there was a lot of uh, speculation they wanted the third and fifth pick, and that's what they were trying to do. And maybe that's why. Maybe they were trying to get the right tackle for Tua, um, because I mean, like like I just said, I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be their offensive line uh, position of the future if Tua, you know, lasts in this league. Yeah. Now at number eleven, we have the Jets here. Um, have Sam Darnold, who they believe is, you know, again, their quarterback of the future. But there were at times last season where he was quote unquote seeing ghosts. Um, and he, he wasn't playing very well last year. Um, they're another team that's been linked to an offensive lineman. The two top guys left are Mecky Becton and Tristan Wirfs. Um, Tristan Wirfs, definitely the more established guy, a little bit more of a run blocker, which, you know, could make sense for the Jets with, uh, with Le'Veon Bell, who they just signed last offseason to a big contract. Or Mecky Becton, the athletic, long, rangy, left tackle, pass protection guy, you know, who could be Sam Darnold's blindside guy for the next few years. Um, you know, again, it's personal preference for them. I think I do think it's going to be one of those guys, you know, one of the offensive linemen. They have a need at receiver, and this could be a region where Judy, Ruggs, and CeeDee Lamb could, you know, start coming off the board. But, you know, personally for them, I would go with Mecky Becton because I think you need to protect Sam Darnold. But Tristan Wirfs definitely isn't a bad pick either. I've got Wirfs here. I had Becton uh, in my mock, but I thought Wirfs was going to be gone way before this. Um, and I have him higher uh, just just based on, you know, you know not, not necessarily numbers because Becton's got those in spades. I mean, he's clearly the best measurable offensive line talent in this draft, but – I really like Wirfs. Um, I really like his pass blocking, and that's what you need if, you, if you've if you got the quarterback what, that you think is going to be your future, and uh, I think that's what the Jets think they have. Yeah, I definitely think you can't go wrong with Wirfs. Um, I'm picking Becton, so we'll have a little bit of competition here. We've been way too similar on these picks so far, so we'll have a winner one way or another for this pick. Um, you know, moving on to some of the teams that are coming up, like I said before, I think receiver could be a run that comes up soon. Again, like the offensive lineman, there's a nice group of guys, you know, a bit of a toss-up to whatever you need in your organization. We have Jerry Judy, 
from Alabama who, you know, before we did this podcast, me, me and Sam were both talking about him as kind of a Julio Jones kind of comparison. Henry Ruggs, his teammate at Alabama, you know, forming one of the best pairings at wide receiver we've seen in college in a very long time. He's a speedster. He's an athletic freak. He's he's one of those deep threat Tyree Kill type guys who can really stretch the defense and do a lot of things on you know for an offense. And then there's C.D. Lamb, who has put up crazy numbers for the past few years for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma and Kyler Murray and and Jalen Hurts and those guys on offense. So, you know, he's more of a you know probably a a, a big rece- reception number type guy like a DeAndre Hopkins. Also something we talked about before the podcast that he would be a good comp for him. So, you know, they're still available. Um, you know, moving up the list here, we have the Raiders, the, the 49ers who were looking to supposedly trade back, but, you know, that, that could still happen here. The Buccaneers who are looking to add someone for Tom Brady to help him out next year and Denver at 15, you know, with, with the Broncos there. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think, if any team is thrilled by the way things are going right now, it's Tampa Bay because it looks like either Beckton or Wills are going to fall to them at 14. And I think they're going to be thrilled with that. Um, but uh, moving on to the closer picks here, like I said, and we already gave our Jets proje- projections, the Raiders are going to take a receiver. Um, it's going to be one of the three top guys, like you already mentioned. I have him mocked to uh, Jerry Judy, Alabama, but I think Ruggs, going to be super enticing and cd lamb was also someone apparently they've been very interested in so i think it's really a coin flip here rugs i think is the most tempting because of his athleticism and speed but judy i think is the most polished and then lamb's got a crazy catch radius and just, has just put up crazy numbers at oklahoma so uh gruden's really a wild card and so is mike mayock so they're gonna be a, a real uh unpredictable pick i think as well yeah, going off of their draft last year, they picked Clellan Farrell very, very high in the draft last year, a guy that no one really expected to go so high. Um, you know, and then then other picks they've made in the past just makes you think that Ruggs could be a possibility for them at 12, you know, because of Gruden and Mayock wanting to think outside the box sometimes and, you know, try to make the, the fancy pick instead of sometimes the right pick. The Jets pick is now in at number 11. They've taken Mecky Becton out of Louisville. Okay. So so I think I win that battle, but, um, yep. you know, it's not a competition here. Um, certainly a guy that they need to protect, Sam Darnold. Um, we're still on the board, which is very surprising. Guy who many thought was the top of his offensive lineman coming into the draft has now slipped behind the other three that were that were reported to be behind him. So that's an interesting sight to see so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything in terms of uh, injuries or uh, num- numbers or uh, personality that would uh, give a reason as to why he has slipped, but maybe maybe they're just not so impressed with his tape or uh, maybe he didn't interview super well. Uh, I'm not sure. They're just showing CeeDee Lamb, so uh, I think he's might be the favorite here to go to the Raiders. Uh, I'm still going to go Judy. Uh, uh, but I think Lamb is probably a pretty good, uh, pretty good guess in terms of uh, Raiders as well. Another team I think is very happy is Denver because it's pretty clear they're going to get one of the three wide receivers, uh, and uh, they're going to be happy with that to pair uh, pair next to Cortland Sutton. 
And then I think San Francisco is also going to take a wide receiver. So I think we're, we're about to see some wide receiver, um, off- some more wide receivers and some more offensive linemen. Uh, I think is about what we're about to see as, as we round out the picks we're going to cover. Yeah, this is an interesting trend, though, compared to the last few drafts. We haven't seen too many receivers being taken too high here. Um, you know, we've had the Corey Davises of years past and the, and the Mike Williams of years past, John Ross and those guys. But this is certainly a very talented group of receivers, even deeper into the next few rounds, you know, as we, as we come to the next few days. Um, you know, a lot of guys that I thought very highly of, Justin Jefferson being one. You know, T. Higgins is a guy a lot of people like but he could end up slipping a little bit, you know, based on some of the other talent out there. But Denzel Mims, Baylor, just tested it with insane numbers at the combine. I think he's – I think he could be a first-round pick here. Absolutely. I think that's not another question. Um, I think we're not – after these picks, after we say goodbye, I am not going to be surprised to see one or maybe even two wide receivers go in the, in the first round. Yeah, this is such an insanely talented uh, wide receiver draft. The Raiders pick is in, so, you know, we'll see if it is one of those wide receivers. I think at this point, you know, we could be wrong, but we're questioning more which receiver it is, rather than if it's going to be a receiver. I think. Who's your pick here, Lars? 12. I would pick Jerry Judy. Um, You know, I just think he's the best overall wide receiver talent in the draft, just from a route running perspective. I think he compares a lot to Amari Cooper, honestly. I agree. As as an Alabama receiver, a very – you know, very technically sound receiver, um, very reliable. Him and him and Henry Ruggs, you could see why they were such a great pairing this year because they were they really covered all of the bases of of what you would want in a receiver group. You know, you had one steady possession guy who could really do it all in Jerry Judy, and you had Henry Ruggs, a speedy, you know, take the top on the defense type of guy. Um, we'll see this pick pretty soon, but you know, I think we both agree on Jerry Judy here, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the pick I'd go with. And, you know, for a team that doesn't exactly have, like, a number one wide receiver, they're not looking for a compliment. You know, they're looking for they're looking for their, their top guy. And I think that's what Jerry Judy is going to provide you with. I don't think Ruggs has the type of season he does if it's not for having Judy out there. Um, and I think that's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that number one guy. You're not looking for that compliment offensive piece with this team. And a big thing to note for the Raiders, they're now the Las Vegas Raiders. So they made their move to their new city, new stadium. You know, they're definitely going to want to make a splash here. And reports are that this is Derek Carr's last chance to really show that he can be that franchise quarterback. So, you know, if they're going to afford him that opportunity or afford, you know, whatever quarterback is going to be leading them into the future, you know, it makes sense to get one of these really top level wide receivers here. Yeah, man. You know, they've been, they've been, they've been desperate for receivers since they got rid of Amari Cooper and, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. San Francisco is coming up after this. Um, they've been a candidate. A lot of people have been saying could trade back. Um, they could use a number one receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. You know, after they traded from last year, we you saw what success he had for them. You know, in helping that offense out, that Kyle Shanahan led offense. So, um, they have Debo Samuel, who is an interesting receiver, but you know, they of, of course definitely could do well with adding receiver. But they they don't own that many draft picks, so a trade back scenario could be also beneficial for them. Um, currently, Goodell is announcing number twelve, the Raiders pick, and it is Henry Ruggs. So they make the splash. They take the you know the speedy guy. 
they take the Chiefs mold of Tyreek Hill type receiver, you know, instead of going safe. But, you know, they are in a new city, new stadium, you know, new world in Las Vegas. So they, they made the splash they thought they needed to, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I it took every fiber I being not to mock them with Henry Ruggs just because I know the owner loves speed. I mean, every every wide receiver they've ever taken, I've ever seen them taking a draft is like the fastest guy available. Um, so this doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, you know, Gruden is a Hollywood guy. He's a flashy guy. He likes to make picks that, you know, keep people on their toes. And Henry Ruggs was certainly the most attractive guy here for, like you said, a new city. He's going to, you know, bring – bring people in and he's going to, you know, make some exciting plays, how consistent he's going to be, especially without a, a top guy like Judy. I, I don't know, but I mean, he's, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to run fast. And he's going to take a top off of defense. Yeah. And like we said before, the 49ers are at 13 here. Um, obviously made it to the Super Bowl last year. Um, tragically lost to the Patrick Mahomes comeback, but you know, great season last year. We all know what they have on defense, especially that defensive line. It's just insane the amount of talent they have. Um, they made some moves over the offseason, too. They traded DeForest Buckner to Indianapolis, um, and that's where they got this pick, the 13th pick in this year's draft. Um, and they, they re-signed Eric Armstead to a really big deal, five years, $85 million. Um, pair him along with Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas and some of the other guys they have on the D-line. And even with losing DeForest Buckner, that D-line will still be in very good position um, Absolutely. You know, for years to come. They still have Richard Sherman back there. K1 Alexander is a very versatile linebacker. Um, and like we said before, receiver makes sense for them here. They have their pick of CD Lamb and Jerry Judy if they don't trade back. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo definitely could use all the weapons he can get. Um, remains to be seen if he can be that, you know, top five in the NFL level quarterback who, who he's getting paid to be and who a lot of people expect him to be. So adding a receiver for them definitely makes sense for their offense and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're always looking at weapons. They lost, like you said, lost Sanders, and, uh, you know, they, they that's a big need for them. They need to give Garoppolo another weapon. And, uh, you know, now that Ruggs is gone, I mean, you kind of take away that allure factor, and now you're going to look at this guy. You know, who, who do you highest rate in terms of wide receiver here? I am expecting Judy to go here. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they could also completely surprise us. They could go, um, you know, offensive lineman here because that's another need and another piece that you could never really have too much depth in. So I'm expecting a wide receiver, though, fully. Yeah, I'm curious what you think about, um, you know, their chances of making the playoffs and, you know, the Super Bowl next year. It's been way too many years since, you know, an NFC team has repeated within a Super Bowl appearance. I personally don't expect them to make the Super Bowl again. I mean, there's just there's a bunch of talented teams in the NFC still capable. I mean, I think the Saints are right there, especially after the disappointing loss they had in the playoffs this year to the Vikings. I think they're a rebound team. The Cowboys definitely could rebound. You know, there's a lot of teams in the NFC. Seattle, Seattle's still a, a, a pretty good team. Seattle, you know, if Aaron Rodgers continues his play from last year, I think they could be up there. But, you know, it's just so unlikely for an NFC team to repeat as NFC champions that, you know, I personally don't buy that they can make it back to the Super Bowl, but, you know, I think they could be candidates for that Atlanta Falcons-style Super Bowl drought. Such a tragic loss and, you know, losing to that comeback by the Chiefs. I think that could affect them next year and maybe to a slow start, but definitely yeah, still I a mean, talented team, but I don't expect them to make it all the way back to the Super Bowl. 
I think they're better coached than the Falcons were. Uh, I think they've got more talent, especially defensively, um, than the Falcons did. Um, I expect them to do well. Um, I don't expect them to make the Super Bowl. Um, in football, uh, I almost never expect a repeat in terms of making the Super Bowl. You know, I think it's always possible, but I never would bet on it uh, unless you approve it in Dynasty, unless you're, you know, the Patriots or, you know, Steelers, you know, a few decades ago, or, you know, unless you're the, you know, Elway, Elway you know, Broncos or the Staubach, you know, Cowboys or whatever it may be, you know, you know, unless you're a proven dominant team, I, I would never bet on you to repeat. So, um, no, I don't. I don't see them returning, but I'm not going to rule it out. They're very talented. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's why I think receiver makes more sense for them than anything, because I think that offense is pretty – that defense, sorry, that defense is pretty settled. And, you know, I think that defense is what got them there. So maybe receiver is what could put them over the top next year if they had an elite-level guy like Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. You know, that really could help their offense in ways that they weren't able to – to play last year, you know, in certain, certain schemes, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders, but obviously he was, he was older, you know, he's, he's nearing the end of his career and he's definitely not the young, you know, speedy route running type type skill set that Jerry Judy and CD Lamp possess for them. So I think that that really could add another dimension to their offense playing off that play action scheme. You know, they have three amazing running backs um, and George Kittle at tight end. So, you know, I think they, they really could use a receiver. But it looks like they're not going to be taking a receiver. Just announced they have traded the pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, Tampa! I, Tampa Bay wants Werfs. Yeah, it looks like looks like a Werfs will go here, and the Buccaneers will, you know, end his slide here in the draft. Um, makes sense for to pair him with Brady, get a solid left tackle in there to protect him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that's what they're thinking here. Um, it, it, they're going to want Werfs. I mean, he's. He's a really 6'5", 320. He can play left and right tackle. He was a former wrestler. Um, I mean, he's, he's a dominant guy. He played at a good school in Iowa. And, you know, he's the real last top of that class offensive lineman for this draft. You know, after this, you, you slip quite a ways to Josh Jones, who's a raw uh, tackle prospect from Houston. So I think this makes perfect sense. You know, they've got this pick. They've got the ability to move up and take Worfs. If they were at all concerned, um, as someone else was going to take him, you know, this makes a lot of sense. And, you know, moving back one slot they're you know, they're still going to be able to get uh, whoever, you know, San Francisco is still going to be able to get whatever wide receiver prospect they wanted. So. Yeah. Right now they still have, okay. They just changed it. I was going to say they still have Tampa Bay listed at 14. So I don't know if the trade terms were announced yet. You would definitely assume that, you know, that would just be a, a swap 13 and 14 and, and another pick going to San Francisco, but they just swapped that on the screen there. And Tampa Bay already has a pick in, so it seems like they're sure about that. Um, we'll let you know about the trade details if they if they come through, you know, while we're still on here with, with these next three picks here. But, you know, I'd imagine it was a straight swap, 13-14, and a later round pick. I mean, only moving up one spot in the middle of the first round doesn't usually get you too much of a return, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe like a fourth rounder if they're lucky. Um, that's probably what around the range I'm expecting here. Um, but I mean, if you're worse, you know, you, you gotta be happy, you know, here, <laughs> I think if, if you're expecting to go here, I think that's what's going to happen. They're showing them on the screen. I mean, that's what everyone's assuming is going to, uh, come across the board here pretty soon. 
and you know you got to be happy. You're going to be defending the greatest football player of all time. You're going to be defending Tom Brady. You're going to be excited. Uh, you got a guy with a lot of experience who can you know help coach you up as long as well as the coaching staff. Um, and uh, it's an exciting thing for a young man like that. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm excited for this new style of Buccaneers that we're seeing. I mean, for so many years they've just been kind of laying back and you know treading the water and going through the motions, but. Once they added Tom Brady, it seems like they have a new lease on life in there. You know, the, the Buccaneers of the past would never have traded up for an offensive lineman like this if that is who they take. You know, never would have traded for a guy like Rob Gronkowski. And, you know, I'm kind of excited to see Brady on this new team and see, you know, what the season has to come for the Buccaneers organization as a whole. Yeah, I mean, this Buccaneers organization clearly, clearly realizes that they've got about a two-year window uh, to – to even have a chance at a Super Bowl, and they're going all out. You know, they're they're getting guys that Brady wants, and they're going for it. And maybe that's something they promised him to lure him away from the Patriots. You know, say you know, we're gonna go out and get the guys you need and the guys you want. And uh, you know, don't don't you worry. You know, we're gonna like you said, we're gonna have this new lease on life, and uh, they're clearly uh, going all out for that. And I'd be excited if I was a Tampa Bay fan. I'm excited as a as an NFL fan, and. Uh, you know, one thing I do have to say, though, is all these fans that all of a sudden love Brady and all of a sudden love Gronkowski, you know, you know, you, you don't you don't just get to be a Brady fan when you hated his guts for two decades with the Patriots. You know, just because just because he switched teams and he's no longer pirate of Belichick doesn't mean you get to love him now. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about in general. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from there. And I think. um you know, we're, we're going to see where the two true Brady fans lie this year. I think another interesting thing with the Bucks was them uh, trading for Rob Gronkowski. I mean, that really came as a shock for everyone, him coming out of retirement, um, you know, and, and uh, joining the Buccaneers for that fourth-round pick. A lot of people were saying, you know, maybe the Patriots could have got more out of the trade. But me personally, if I'm looking at it with that Gronkowski trade, you basically got a fourth-round pick for, for a guy that, you know, was retired. So you thought you had dead money, and now you got a fourth-round pick. So I think that's pretty solid. And, you know, he's definitely motivated to come out of retirement and play play with Tom Brady. So I think it was a good move. Yeah, no, I mean, it was better than nothing. I mean, I surely think they could have gotten a little bit more. Uh, but, I mean, absolutely, they, they made the best out of a strange situation. Yeah, and while we were talking here, the Buccaneers made their pick, and it was Tristan Wirth. So um, the end of the top offensive tackles looks like it's come. Um, this, those four guys have finally gone. The Buccaneers get their guy to protect Tom Brady's blind side, which, you know, as, as an over 40 quarterback, you certainly need a talented left tackle to protect you there. Absolutely. And like I said, if you're worse, you're excited. Hopefully if you're Brady, you're excited. You know, he's a young guy, but it certainly seems talented. So we'll see what he can provide Brady in terms of protection. Uh, one more, one more thing on the Brady love situation going on here. Just got to say, just got to say, we, you know, I've known, and you know, people in New England have known how great Brady has been for his whole entire career. Okay, the man's great. He's smart. He's funny. You know, he. You don't just get to, you know, he does one interview with Howard Stern after he leaves, and everyone, everyone, you know, realizes, oh, realizes how great Brady is. We were just bitter before. Okay, just bitter before. Interesting analysis from you know top Patriots fan Sam over there. Um, you know, going back to what we got going on here with the draft, um, definitely makes sense for the 49ers to make this trade here. They 
we'll we'll see what the return what it is coming up here, but um slide down slide back a pick, be able to still get the receiver that you were looking for probably. We know they weren't going for Tristan Wirfs. Like their D line, they have a very solid O line. So, you know, that probably wasn't a scenario for them. So if they're able to get uh, you know, a decent return for moving back a pick, it definitely makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, interesting video here of uh, Tristan Wirfs doing a 450 times four hanging clean an Iowa record. Also clean jumping out of a pool, uh, you know, straight onto the, you know, the deck of the, the pool without, you know, any, any help or assistance. I mean, the guy's clearly extremely athletic and, uh, you know, going to be a, uh, going to be a new force for them on the offensive line moving I- forward. What? I was going to say, I was been known to produce a lot of, uh, a lot of good offensive linemen. We saw that with Brandon Sheriff, who's currently on the Redskins, you know, and, and some other guys, they tend to produce very technically sound, you know, low mistake type of offensive linemen. And I think that's what the Buccaneers are getting here. And it seems like he's more athletic than a lot of those Iowa guys have been in the past. So that's, that's another plus for them. Yeah. I mean, offensive linemen, or sorry, off, yeah, offensive linemen, tight ends, uh, defensive linemen, edge rushers. I mean, these are all positions that Iowa has really, really done a good job of producing in the last few years. So uh, definitely a factory in terms of linemen. And, uh, you know, it's something you, you look for in terms of uh, when you're drafting, you know, quality of uh, where a player is coming from. Yeah, so only two picks left here on our podcast. We have the San Francisco 49ers who just traded back their pick to number 14. And then we have Denver sitting at number 15. These both could be wide receiver spots, um, you know, just as we wind up, wind up here. Some free agency talk that we didn't necessarily get to get to because some of these teams aren't picking in the, in the top area. Todd Gurley um, got released by the L.A. Rams and signed with Atlanta only for a one-year deal, which is pretty interesting for them and for him. You know, a guy who was coming off a large, large contract with the Rams now has a one-year prove-it deal with the Falcons. You know, what do you think about Todd Gurley and his new team? Um, I think he's going to be average. I think he'll have some good games and some bad games, just like he did this year. I think his knees are damaged. I think he's got arthritis. I think uh, he'll have a good game, and then you know he might need some rest, and his knees are going to need some rest, and he'll digress as the season goes along. I think he's certainly still very talented. I don't think the talent's gone anywhere. I just think you know physically, as running backs do, he's deteriorated, and uh, they'll get some. They'll get something something decent out of him and then they've always always a relatively efficient offense uh but i don't see him being any better than devonta freeman was this past year you know yeah i think he's an interesting situation um you know coming off of that offensive player of the year season that he had with the rams um you know and things kind of fell apart for him in that playoffs um where he was replaced by you know an aging running back and he didn't get he didn't get the snaps in the playoffs and in their super bowl run which is which kind of was kind of weird at the time, but now now knowing all the all the knee problems that he's had, you know, kind of makes sense in hindsight. But you know, I, I thought that was a bit of a surprise for the for the Falcons to go after them. Um, I think personally they should have kept Tevin Coleman in years past um, instead of picking Devontae Freeman. And now we've seen what De- Devontae Freeman's come to be with all of his injuries and such. And I think Todd Gurley signing for them has the potential to be, you know, in the same mold of of all those injuries. Um, like, yeah. like we said before, another running back that signed in, in free agency, Melvin Gordon, who his team is picking 15th, the Denver Broncos. Um, he kind of, he kind of messed the situation up for himself. 
he had a chance yeah, to make a lot of money with the Chargers and then, um, you know, and then held out, kind of messed up their season a little bit, and now is on a very, very much smaller deal with the Broncos next season. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely, you know, messed up his situation. He held out. You know, he felt like that was the right thing to do. They offered him a pretty significant contract, and he turned it down, like you said, plays. And then, you know, with everything happening and just coupled with average play, he ends up with a smaller deal. You know, he's still on a relatively large deal for a running back. I think Denver actually overspent, but they're giving Drew Locke as many assets as they can, which is clearly what they're doing. Um, so, I mean, I expect a relatively similar season out of Melvin Gordon. Uh, I like Melvin Gordon. He's versatile, but I don't think he's as good of a runner as maybe we give him credit for. You know, his average yards per carry and average yards per contact really isn't uh, standout in terms of uh, what, what you'd want out of your first first choice running back. Yeah, and coming back to the draft here, the 49ers pick is in, so we'll let you know that in a little bit. Um, we'll let you know our analysis of that. And then 15 at Denver, we started talking about with Melvin Gordon. Um, it's interesting that they seemingly are going with Drew Locke at quarterback, um, although not giving him too many opportunities last year, which is kind of surprising, you know, considering this position they drafted him. I think they stuck with Joe Flacco a little bit too long. Um, they were paying him a, a, a good bit of money. But, you know, when you have a young quarterback like Drew Locke, I think he needs all the opportunities he can get. Um, and if you're going to go with him this year, it would have been nice to have, have given him a little bit more opportunity last year. But, you know, like we've been saying with these wide receivers, I think adding a wide receiver like CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, whoever's available, could be very beneficial for Drew Locke, you know, as well as adding Melvin Gordon was for, for you know, Drew Locke's development. Yeah, I mean – they're clearly just adding assets uh, to put behind Drew Locke. Uh, LA needs this to work, I think, for his career and just for himself. And uh, it, it's going to be a make-or-break, I think, two probably make-or-break couple years for Drew Locke and LA, see what they can produce and uh, see how, how good he truly is. I mean, he's, he's athletic. He's got a good arm. Uh, we'll see, you know, see what he can produce with uh, a better – some extra wide receiver and extra running back with Melvin Gordon and then whoever – they most likely choose at the at the wide receiver position. Just an interesting tidbit, like I alluded to, Melvin Gordon's career yards per carry is only four, um, so you know not elite in, in any stretch. But he did have 612 yards um, in only 12 games last season, uh, but only 3.8 yards per carry. So not elite numbers, but he's certainly versatile and will certainly help. Um, you know, Philip Lindsay is probably a little bit of a runner than him, so. Philip Lindsay should be able to shoulder some of that load. Yeah, and he's a guy, who, who Melvin Gordon, who seemingly gets better as the game goes on. Yeah. And he's a guy who, you know, get kind of like Derrick Henry, you're getting into the third quarter, fourth quarter, gets more carries, the defense gets tired, and he's able to still keep, you know, bulldozering through the line and still, you know, keep things going. Um, the 49ers just made their pick, and they picked Javin Kinlaw, defensive wow. tackle. Wow, wow. So that's honestly probably the first big surprise of this draft so far. Um, you know, they, they got rid of they, – they traded away DeForest Buckner, and, you know, they drafted Javin Kinlaw to seemingly replace him. So that's, that's an interesting thing for the 49ers. You, I mean, you would think that they're pretty set at defensive line, and they could have used another weapon on offense. But, you know, I guess they're viewing that you can never have too many big guys up front on defense and, you know, can never have too many pass rushers, I guess. Yeah, I mean they've they've 
clearly got a recipe that they've been following. I mean, they they continually draft defensive linemen in the first round, and they've hit on them with every single one of them. Solomon, Solomon Thomas being the only one that they necessarily haven't hit a home run with, but you know he's been off and on injured, so I'm not even going to count him out necessarily. He's still a young guy, and Javon Javon Kinlaw, just another one of these guys that is just going to you know add to this you know this recipe of strong athletic guys. I mean, Javon Kinlaw was a I think this is a smart pick, maybe not necessarily a need-based pick, but maybe the top guy available on the board, and he's going to produce, I think, for them, especially, like you said, with the loss of DeForest Buckner. Yeah, first surprise of the draft, I'm definitely very surprised, but certainly a very talented player. Now you can kind of see why they opted to trade back this spot. Um, you know, they probably knew that no one was really going for Javon Kedlaw, um this early. I mean, certainly this isn't too early for him, but – you know, this was certainly a range where there were a lot of receivers and offensive linemen projected. So, you know, I, they they definitely realized that they were pretty safe with Javin Kinlaw, you know, in the number 14 range as opposed to number 13. So, you know, it may, definitely made sense for them to trade back. Yeah, they just they they just put a comp on the screen. Uh, he's a comp to Richard Seymour. <laughs> Man, if you get Richard Seymour production out of this guy, you're going to be happy. Uh, Richard Seymour is a great, great player, real force to play inside, outside. Uh, on the defensive line and you know if they can get that out of Javin Kimmel they'll be very happy um, I, I think this is really good I didn't realize honestly how big Javin Kimmel was he's 6'5 but he's 324 I mean, he's a big guy so he really I think can you know kind of take over to what DeForest Buckner was giving you maybe not right away but he's got the size to do that and just on the film you know, that I've already watched and that, you know, they're putting on the screen I mean he's he's a guy that can play outside and inside just like uh just like Seymour and a lot of ways like Buckner, even though Buckner mainly played inside. Yeah. Interesting stuff from the 49ers. Um, the Broncos here at 15 are, are on the clock. Their pick is in, but you know, before we go here at SNL sports, um, I, I'm curious, you know, one guy that if, if there's one guy that you think, um, you know, left on the board who really could make a difference that, you know, we're not going to get here, get to here, you know, on this podcast that, remaining in the first round that could really make a difference who like who your top guy left after this podcast will be. I mean, right now my top guy left is Jerry Judy, but I expect him to go here to Denver unless they take CD lamb. But I've, I have heard CD lamb is the guy they were kind of after. So who knows um, if CD lamb is the choice here, then Jerry Judy is my top player left on the board. Uh, if not, then honestly, maybe, uh, Maybe Caleb on Chase on out of uh, out of LSU. Uh, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of room to grow. Six three two fifty four, and he plays a value position at edge rusher. Um, so I, I probably one of those two guys to be completely honest. Yeah, for me, I'd have to say, um, yeah, either whoever Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, you know, doesn't get picked here. If that's where they go, I think they'll definitely be the best players on the board. But you know, after that, you have to look at. Caleb Von Chasen, Patrick Queen, both at uh, both out of LSU. Xavier McKinney is safety out of Alabama. We have left on the board. And, Kenneth you know, Murray. yeah, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. And if you want to talk quarterback, you know, a guy who's had a lot of question marks and no one really knows necessarily where he's going to get drafted, Jordan Love, you know, the quarterback out of Utah State. I think there's a very wide range where he, he could go, you know, remaining here in the in the first round, maybe even early second, you know, potential, but – you know, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but it's definitely interesting to see. There's always that one late first round quarterback that, you know, pops up there in the early second round that 
you know, could be a Lamar Jackson type where he gets drafted late and becomes very good, you know, or he could be, you know, another type of guy who gets drafted late in the first round doesn't necessarily pan out. Yeah, I mean, once you get past – let's be real any quarterback chosen in the draft is always somewhat level of a question mark unless you've got you know Andrew Luck was kind of a sure thing I mean there are certain guys you're like wow this guy is going to produce at a certain level I'm not sure we have any of those in this draft to be completely honest um so you know maybe you've got a better chance with Burrow and Tua than you do with Jordan Love I think that's certainly a, a logical statement to make but uh once you get past you know this point in the draft a lot of this is you know what situation you end up with, what coach you end up with, you know, how these scouts are viewing these guys, how these GMs evaluate these guys. I mean, once you get past, you know, 15 or so, you know, guys that are evaluated, anything under like 50 could be chosen. I mean, with these picks, I mean, you know, that sounds like kind of a silly statement, but I mean, guys, guys like DeAndre Swift, you know, Erza Cleveland, Jalen Rieger, uh, T Higgins, AJ Epinesa. I mean, these are all guys that are, said to be outside of the first round picks in terms of like ranking, but could easily go in the first round. Cesar Ruiz. I mean, these are all guys that could easily go the first round, even if they aren't necessarily ranked there. So, yeah, I think you're definitely right. And I think, you know, moving on to Friday night and Saturday night here with this draft, I think that's really going to, you know, be where the scouting department and the GMs really shine through, especially in this, in this era of coronavirus and social distancing with the draft this year and it being, you know, through video conferencing and all that and, uh, you know, personnel being isolated. I think we're really going to see, you know, into next season, the teams that have very good, you know, rookie performances for their teams, you know, it's really going to shine through and show how good of an organization they are. And I would look for those, you know, usual top organizations to, you know, do well in this draft compared to other organizations. Yep. And it looks like the pick is in and it's Jerry Judy going, uh, to Denver here. So that's what it appears to be, correct? Yep, Jerry Judy to Denver, um, like we were saying. Um, that'll be the last pick for us here. And I think we kind of talked about Jerry Judy. Um, again, very, very polished wide receiver. Probably, you know, the best one overall-wise in this draft. But, you know, obviously the Raiders like Henry Ruggs a little bit more. Um, but I think we touched on this. Solid pick for the, for the Broncos and definitely a much-needed weapon for Drew Locke there in Denver. Absolutely. Um, you know, it was, it was great talking to you guys all again, and we were glad to, you know, be putting this podcast out, podcast out, you know, be, be on the lookout for other ones coming, coming ahead, maybe, you know, talking about basketball, you know, as we get closer to things like the draft free agency and maybe talking about, you know, football as everything evolves or, uh, you know, international soccer, you know, always a lot to say there. So, you know, keep your eye out and, you know, Lars, thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've both been kind of starving to, you know, get all this sports talk off our chest. So it, it, it was a good opportunity for us, and I hope you guys like it. Um, let us know, you know, any feedback you have. We're, we're on Spotify. It should be on Apple Music soon. So, you yep. know, look out for more podcasts. Look um, at- follow us on Twitter at SNL Sports. Yep, and look out for any tweets that may be coming up about the draft, especially in rounds, you know, two through five or even beyond. And uh, we'll keep you, do our best to keep you guys updated, and we'll keep you updated on the coming months as we hopefully return to WBCR 88.3 the same. Yep, and thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, talk to you soon.